welcome to episode 211 of the F-Reality Podcast. The internet decided to ban a few things this week. Twitter's axing a large portion of its workforce following the Elon Musk acquisition. YouTube's gone and smoothed out those sharp corners on thumbnails. Uh, quite a nice new look, actually. And it was time for us to bend the old intro. So no more intro for you. Uh, we're naked until work on the new one is complete. All right. Well, if you'd uh, like to nab the eyes and ears of this darling crowd starting uh, December 3rd, just email us. We've got the holidays fast approaching. Uh, now, here's today's hefty hitters. Adam's roaming ringside at New Reality out in Utah. Meta empties the kitty playpen, making all those 13-year-olds feel strangely empowered. Uh, the Crystal Maze spits out a Pimax headset that's sporting a suspiciously solid resume. Uh, Quest Pro sure means business, but does it offer pain or pleasure for working day VR? Uh, we'll be singing Be My Valentine with PSVR 2's price reveal and pre-orders opening in November. And at the end of the Rainbow Road, Jose has been holding back a blue shell to secure a race win with recent and upcoming releases. Okay, well, chat. how was your Halloween? What have you been up to? And um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the crew. Uh, first up, there is a tale of mice and men, and it portrays what our botanist friend does when he's not mixing fertilizer or leading Linux youth groups in a march against poorly optimized kernels. How have you been, Rowdy? I have been, I have been fantastic. I have been playing, uh, you know, everyone knows my favorite game. Uh, so much in the, the past couple of i mean the past couple of days have been a little bit less but like i've been absolutely obsessed by it uh so much that i actually forgot the name <laughs> and i've actually been playing it like um yeah i mean especially after the podcast like non-stop it's been it's been such a pleasure like to have something so different and still so familiar i think to play I can't which, remember which, it you don't remember the names <laughs> you, just, you blew it out of my head Last Clockwinder? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, last the Last Clockwinder, clock that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I think it's, it's probably like my favorite game of the year, even. Like, uh, I like it so much. Uh, it's like, it ticks a lot of boxes for me. I mean, I explained it last week, so I'm not going to go over it again. But like, I've been, hmm. I've been spending a lot of time on crushing every puzzle, optimizing it up until the very least little bits. Uh, even going past like, you know, the, you know, you have like certain recommendations per level. You need to get so many clones in order to do it. Just trying to go like just one below that. Like I've been, yeah, I've been, I haven't finished it yet. The story is actually very entertaining. I, I like the story. It's a, mm. uh, it's a, a bit of an emotionally driven story, which uh, I think is always nice in a VR, especially in a, in a, in a story, tr story driven experience. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think that the, the story in itself, um, uh, it's like it's something that is just added on, but it actually adds a lot of quality to the game as well. That's good. Uh, I think the story is good enough to stand on its own. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of applause for uh, for those for those uh, developers for making an experience that because I'm 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 very critical of my VR experiences. Yeah, you know, you like, are. Uh, it's it's been a, a a pretty long time since I've last said that I actually enjoyed a VR game as much as I did this one. God, sure. if, I'm trying to think back. Like, what was the last game that I remember Rowdy really? Giving... I think The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, so it's been like, how long is that now? Saints yeah, and Sinners is that 2019? Is that three, three and a half years ago? Jeez. Oh man, that's crazy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> <It's> been rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I can tell it's been rough because I think like 
I've seen, you know, when you like want to be excited about something, I've definitely seen you already yeah. like, like want to be excited about certain things, but then they just didn't yeah. hit the mark. And we were just yeah, talking. Like, and and th that's not to say like that those other games are bad or something. No. But it's just that I, I think that my expectations have gone a lot higher during the years of like playing VR experiences yeah. that it's kind of hard for me to be entertained by something that feels the same. Um, and I think that this game, even though it, like there are other games like it as well uh, that also use that cloning kind of thing and like have like a, a fun little story intertwined. But for this game, it's it's been, I've been actually like looking forward to going back in, which is different compared to like other games that I've, that I've played. And many VR games are all right. You know, it's, it's not like I don't have fun with them, yeah. but not to this extent, for sure. I'm so glad you've got your hook, your fix, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really what it is. I feel like it's, uh, you know, tap the veins fix. I won't clap yeah, my yeah. arm there. But that, also, but. for some people who are confused in the chat and maybe for the audience listener, listeners as well, like we're not actually naked. You know, like uh, we're just, <laughs> good just, point. good point. Just like pointing yeah. that out, uh, or or maybe we are, and maybe the audio listeners is just like tune in next time and then figure out for themselves. Also, like <laughs> if the if the if the people are confused about the hour, um, it's because the clocks went back already and oh, went forwards. Was it back back or forward actually? It's usually fall back. Uh, fall back. In, yeah, fall back. Fall back. Spring forward. All right, that's so how you're fall right. back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fall back, spring for oh wow, that's a, I never never thought of it that way. I I, see, you learn something every time. Every it's time a, it's an Americanism, I think. I, I think it's very common to be said here, but in Europe, no. not so much. Yeah, yeah. We Fall need back. some more extra Fall help back, when it comes forwards. to these things, so we need to make it into a rhyme or a riddle somehow <laughs> to remember. Right, I just forgot. I just don't know. Simply like never came up with something. Yeah. Well, it's great to Got see it. your smile uh, every two weeks, Rowdy, and uh, this is this is for no sure. different to that. So. All right, let's move on. Uh, this last does not wait around. She's a go-go-goer. And when the apocalypse hits, I trust she'll be the first one to fashion up a nail bat all of her own. I think she's even tapped enough to give it a pet name. That's Adam Bombati for you. All right, Adam, how's the uh, trip going and how are you? Good so far. I'll, I'll go into more of the details of the actual trip itself. But yeah, so I'm, I'm basically in an Airbnb right now. So that's why you don't have the lovely green studio behind me. Um, it was interesting because uh, yesterday um, we have a couple of coworkers that live that were leaving. So we had like a VR chat, uh, kind of a go away party for them. And I was like, oh, boy, oh, man, but I've never tried AirLink on Airbnb Wi-Fi before. So that was an experience. <laughs> um, but it was actually OK. I, I, luckily, this Airbnb is pretty good with it. Um, but it was super fun. It just re-reminded me of how, because um, like we're all remote. So there's, you know, Europe, uh, Canada, Australia, the States. Um, it, it just re-reminded me of how nice it is to kind of be in um, this, feel like you're in the same space uh, as people mm -hmm. that are across the world or coworkers that, you know, some of them I've only met once and I've been there working there for about a year and a half now. Um, so it, it was super nice to be able to to go in there and just do fun stuff with coworkers, you know, and, and mm. to, and I, I'm very lucky that I have coworkers, you know, we're all into VR. We're all nerds and geeks or gurks, I think as Jose called it. Gurks. Gurks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been super fun, but I'll get into all the, the uh, new reality stuff a little later. I have a lot to talk about, plus something that'll be happening, um, after the podcast, which I'm also super excited oh, and kind of scared. Very, for. <laughs> very looking forward to that. Very, yeah. very looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, that's a special feeling. I, I gotta say, anytime you get that opportunity to just be in VR with people and realize you can kind of feel their physical form to some extent. And that's, that's really something special. Um, 
Fantastic. Well, we've got a podcast ahead of us, uh, and it's at the center of today's podcast for sure. And like a wind-up Jose in the box, this energetic tech is a floodgate of facts. Uh, like his dear friend Pandora's box, he waited impatiently for his time in the spotlight. And it's 2022. If this isn't the reckoning, then I don't know what is. So, Jose, how excited are you for today? Oh, I'm very excited. Um, first of all, what's up, you guys? Um, hey. Um, happy Halloween's, I guess, aftermath, I guess you should call it, right? Kind of. Um, <laughs> The, the 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 rise of the Gurks, as I like to call it. Um, well, you got to explain the yes, Gurks now, because so, that was a pre-podcast quickie that we just had. So, where did Gurks come from? So, uh, it's uh, I would like I wish I could add some elaborate story, but it was just an accidental slip up. I was trying to say VR geeks all in one word, and the word Gurk just accidentally came into the ether. So, we're, we're, I'm going to coin it from here on out for uh, gamer VR geeks, right? So. Uh, so quick Gurk, right? So, and the reason that word accidentally came out was uh, looking at the Quest Pro reviews that we'll talk a lot about later. Um, so, so many perspectives about this amazing device, all focused around the mindset of gaming. Um, so, I'm very excited. Um, the last few days, I actually been sitting down more than ever. So, I actually been more relaxed, um, enjoying the Quest Pro, um, revisiting a lot of 2D games. I actually been playing a lot of old school. Uh, 2D um, games. I actually been speedrunning a lot more than I used oh, to. Right. Um, that's something I used to do a lot as a hobby. Um, no, you did that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I need to know. Well, so what kind of games do you speedrun? Uh, Super Mario World is actually one that I'm actually pretty oh. uh, good at. And you can speedrun in <laughs> VR headsets now. That's something that you yeah. cannot do on a, on a Quest 2. But you can. Adam just fell in love with you, I think. <laughs> like, she grabbed her chest. Well, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a gamer. Oh, dude, mm. it's uh, there, there's something about revisiting these games in a in a very new way, right? With like high input, like low input lag, rather, and it's just so cool seeing um the beginnings of these monitors, these giant screens slowly being phased out. So yeah. very excited. Amazing. Well, I can certainly nice. feel it off you, and it's one of the things that uh, we've 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 certainly attracted plenty of comments about you, Jose, over the last two podcasts. Oh, so, uh, can't wait to distill it down and just hear how Quest Pro has been for you. So that's that's a hefty highlight, I gotta say. Um, before we uh, get to my highlight, uh, I would like to ask what has Chad been up to. So, um, has you seen anything in particular uh, there? In actually, chat? I see a lot of high fives and things going on. Yeah, there was a sampler 19 went to Hyde Park for Halloween. There was a Ghostbusters 5D ride, but unfortunately they said it was pretty disappointing. Um, not really five dimensional and 3D oh. glasses gameplay. So it had a lot of latency. It's a bummer because that sounds like it'd be super cool. I guess we'll just have to wait for the quest version. Then it's, right? just, it's just like me, like high expectations. You know, <laughs> Whenever I read 5D, then I know it's not going to be 5D. Yeah, that's actually, you know, it's really funny you say that because that's actually quite a big gimmick in the arcade location based world where they use yeah. additional dimensions or D's in order to mean completely weird stuff. Like they probably meant 5D as in, oh, the chair rumbles, the you get air. Yeah, of course. And so they started splitting senses. So air, water, fire or whatever. So they add as many D's. The lost avatar. I'm sure I've seen okay. a 7D advertisement. I'm yes. sure. Oh, like I a yes, probably for me. I, I've worked on um, on some uh, Chinese roller coasters and VR-based ones, and they always add like as many D's as possible. So I actually have a picture with a roller coaster card that says 7D on it with a 
with some copyrighted DreamWorks pictures on it. It's pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I literally thought you were going to do the entire Avatar intro right there. You know, air, water, fire, <laughs> heart. Back when the Fire Nation. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, we, um, nice. We also have someone who's playing Iron Man VR. That's DLG27, um, Iron Man VR and Quest 2. Uh, they said that being around, uh, able to turn around completely makes this game feel new compared to the PSVR version, which I still have to get my hands on that game. I haven't tried it yet. I've been been out. It, it's a it's a worthwhile. Uh, I can only speak from the PSVR experience, but um, it it was it was the first PSVR game that made you feel free, like you actually you you didn't recognize the fact that you were being tracked by a single camera. It was it was weird uh, because it really felt like a a quest-like experience back on mm. PSVR, which I'll be honest, most PSVR titles make you very readily aware that you yeah. are forward-facing only. <laughs> like it is, it, right. it, it beats you up anytime you move outside of that that span. Gosh. So uh, that's that's a good one. That's a good. One. Anything else in chat? We good to move? Um, I think so far we're good to go. I'll let you know if we find anything else. Just uh, we're asking about the the game name for Last Clockwinder that we finally. <laughs> figured out eventually but yes it's the last finally clock got it. that uh that's gonna be right. happening more and more on this podcast as we age more and more you know more gray hair white <laughs> sure. hair just, rowdy's working on alzheimer's so don't worry he's got a fix in the in the works i'm sure so with with uh with my quick highlight then um i went and i checked out that um vr I call it like international festival of arts uh five hours in toronto with a local crew of uh, cyberpunk donning VR nutjobs is the way I would describe them. Wow. Uh, to set the scene, though, uh, first I need to ask you, for those of you who have been on the internet, and I think all of you have been on the internet long enough now, do you remember End of the World? It was a 2003-era flash internet that showed um, various nations deciding to bomb each other. It was just like one of these flash animations that just kind of went viral. Well, um, actually written the German way, or is it like how you pronounce it? Like... No, it's written with Z E. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, ends of the world. End of the end of the world. Yeah, it was like it had this a whole <laughs> bunch of different nations. Kind of, it was awesome. Um, I, I shared a link with you, Rowdy, to a modernized right. version yeah, of I'm, it. If you can run I'm, that, I'm just gonna to show it right now. Jog people's memories of what this was. This is like one of those old old days back when we had new grounds and um, those kinds of things. Ugh. I mean, Flash is all but dead ever since. That technology died, but you remember this one, Adam? Yes, now this that I see like... it. Oh my god! This is pretty... I, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not seeing the screen, well, yeah. but is that the one? There's like a French guy narrating it the entire yeah. time. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. I know, I know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I am, I am late. I am late. Yes, is, okay. Yeah, oh. Exactly. Wow. So that that just sets the scene uh, for some of the kind of experiences that I got to do in VR. So. Um, I'll explain this a little bit, but I got to experience a couple of of different things at this showcase, right? And they were all in Quest twos. Um, you know, ranging from like 360 videos, stuff like the David Attenborough, like 5K or 8K HD stuff, which was pretty neat. Saw something on plants. I got to see um, a rehabilitation camp in China, which was used for Internet addiction. So if you if you're into games too much or whatever, your parents ship you off to this camp. So they kind of uh, it's like an internment camp and they like beat you up until you don't love the Internet anymore. Um, and, and, and then I got one where there was like this fortune telling thing happening where I was commuting and then my ex-husband came back from the dead to kill me. Some really fun stuff, right? Like like loads of random things. But from all of that, there was one standout title. OK, and um, I was encouraged to check out this uh, title. It was truly wacko. And when Zim says wacko, 
you oh, know it's God. you know it's messed up right like it's yeah. like this was this was messed up it comes is from this, a pair is this like can we show this on youtube even yeah it, oh it's showable <laughs> it's weird um, thankfully the trailer uh so this comes from a pair of french artists and it's called webby's wonderworld now that might sound like you've got like flippy the toad or something but no uh, it's a 360 VR video where you step through a bizarre cyberspace, like led by this young boy with angel wings coming off of his cheeks uh, called Webby. OK, and I mean, he basically he's like a coked up Cupid. He's he's <laughs> wacky kid. Right. But he's like happy and gleeful. Um, he's innocent looking, but totally insidious. Like he's that kind of kid. Right. And this world is so freaky and strange. There's just kind of weird, like. Things happening like uh, Super Mario tubes that are feeding various chunks of the Internet to, to viewers downstream. The whole thing is weird. Um, and, and the unfortunate part about this is that like tickets to join this particular cult for yourself sell on uh, a particular website called gate22.net at about 25 ahead. And you have to go along with like six people. Now, I think that's kind of extortionate. I get it. Artists need to get paid and all that, but I probably would have been happy paying a fiver for this experience, which was about 15 minutes long. Um, they've got other things like virtual museums and stuff up there. So while I can't recommend, you know, gathering your five nearest friends to go toy around with Webby, I just had to kind of like give a pat on the back to the artists who made this because it's so fecked up that I kind of had fun. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> and I can only recommend that people at least check out the trailer and listen to Webby's voice because you're led by his narrating voice the entire time. And it is so messed up. As I said, it brought brought me back to 2003. I'm so glad that stuff like this happens in VR. Um, and, and I really think that art does have a place, but five hours was fun. We got together, had some beers and, uh, you know, just had, just had a good time. But the thing I really like about it, and I'll just show this for our, our video uh, watchers is, um, you know, to have like a small cornucopia, like a catalog of, of things that you can do and walk into a place and be like, and these are all like rated and have a certain amount of time. And you had you know, a booked like two hour led session with an attendee helping you through various things, free Halloween candy, that type of thing. It's just, it takes so much effort to curate something like this. Mm. And I just want to applaud the team behind Fivers for like keeping that running, you know, seventh or eighth year, I think that they've got it up now. And it's just like, these things need to keep happening. Um, and people need to be able to, you know, get to that stuff, but like content sharing isn't easy. It was really, really neat just to get to participate in one of these because Unlike Kent by, I don't fly around the world, you know, going to Tribeca or this or that or rain dance and stuff and like in person. And so we get to miss th that out. It's kind of like the piece that you represent, Jose, from an LBE part, like all this artsy fartsy stuff. We just totally miss it. Like unless you catch it on somewhere like itch.io, like the artist just decides mm. to load their project up or somebody's selling it, you generally don't get to it and you don't get to hear what's good and what's terrible. So I mm. uh, was very, very happy to be able to do that. Um, but that's enough nice. of the odd things, right? Let's move on to the newsreel and talk about some real stuff, things that you can get into. Um, and I think the first up, we're going to we're going to flip it over to our frequent flyer. Adam is <laughs> kicking it out in Salt Lake City with those mighty Mormons uh, at the new reality convention. Yeah, so this is a um, a first time VR event for Val or Virtual Athletics League. Um, and. I, I think what they did right was that they flew in, you know, a lot of well-known names, you know, like Mike's here, Gamertag, Cass and Sherry, um, uh, some TikTokers too. You know, you've got Tech Manju, uh, Tiny Beats, a bunch of people basically. 
But um, I think some of the like new event <laughs> also shines through. So it, it takes place in like a part of a mall that looks like maybe it was uh, scraped out on the inside. So it's kind of like warehousey, which I think was fine <laughs> for the streams. But you've got kind of these booths that are set up in this uh, like unfinished kind of looking area. Um, and some of them aren't always manned, which is fine. I mean, they have, um, like a VZ fit here. That's the people that have the, you know, the oh, yeah. quest and I don't want to call it a game. Exactly. It's more of like a fitness app where you could put cadence sensors mm. on an exercise bike and be able to use Google maps to pedal in places, um, in VR. It's really cool. Um, they've got, uh, walkabout was supposed to be here, but unfortunately I think it was the CEO's mother or something like passed away as they were walking out the door so oh, they no. weren't able to make it yeah. they have monkey see monkey doo doo um which i have not tried that one yet um there's a couple of other uh like peripheral companies and everything but of course the big mm. showstopper is um shell games with among us uh that was the big live stream that happened yesterday where they had um eight on eights and they would swap out uh the creators within each session and that was actually really fun because you got to oh actually in the videos of uh, LS Toast who donned one of the Among Us suits. So in the very beginning of the show, <laughs> they had him just totally take a whack at a poor other Among Us spaceman, which was really entertaining because I you realize that this thing is so it is it's a pinata. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was great! And he was having a great time just running around the warehouse in this suit. It was it was the funniest thing ever. Um. But the I will say so far, so it's still going on today. I think that they are having um, like Population One and Epic Roller Coaster like competitions, but it's more of like whoever came in person can sign up. And I don't know if there was a big enough of a audience or like big enough of a marketing where enough people knew about this event other than VR, you know, like the VR content creators and people who just are way too active on Twitter like myself. <laughs> but um the highlight was yeah definitely the among us stream it was chaos i'm pretty sure at one point um cass and sherry were gonna get a divorce because this was very much like no i was my wife you know this and it wasn't it was great to be able to uh see them all play and just see everybody yelling and then you know as a little among us space people there you just see the hands aggressively pointing at people like no it's you and everyone's just arguing I, I, i say arguing but you know it's like friendly Slightly arguing, uh, but it was great. It was, yeah, yeah. it was a crack. And I, I kids, it's it's gonna be so amazing once this game is out. It doesn't a couple, couple days, I think. Right, give me nine ninety nine, pretty good price. Yeah, the price, the price point is amazing on it. I, I'm so happy about that. But yeah, like Among Us is is really awesome. It's a pity I didn't realize that they were going to stream it. I would have tuned into that. That sounds like a fun yeah. thing. I hope it's available on rebroadcast somewhere because that sounds like fun to watch back. It is. It's on, I believe, um, Val's. Uh, tw- uh, Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash ValVR underscore esports. Um, and uh, there were things you could tell as a first time event that could have been better about it, like some of the green screen qualities of, for the casters or just some of the camera angles, or maybe even, uh, maybe I'm also spoiled by uh, IVRL, but maybe um, in the live stream, they basically just had the four, cre- like four creator views at one time. But because there were eight, sometimes they would swap out the squares of someone else. But it, it was a little chaotic uh, as who to look to at times. So it would have been nice to maybe look at one person, one person's view for a little while. Um, but I, I think that they learned a lot from this event. And I don't mean to try to uh, say that, you know, it, it was 
not great because it was, I think they did, it was really smart. They brought a lot of people here, but I think there's a lot that they can learn from this. And I hope that they continue to do them though, because we don't have a lot of VR specific gaming events. Like we might have a PAX that's like just general gaming and then maybe you'll have some VR tacked on, but to be able to have more VR specific events is huge. So I think as long as they, you know, they've got good takeaways, um, you know, they, they learn (laughs) some things for next time. I think it'll be pretty good. They just, you know, you got to, you got to do the thing and you got to make mistakes and uh, uh, in order to improve and do better next time. To so, improve. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I'm looking forward to next year, yeah. though. It was as, as far as socially, it was super fun. You know, everybody it, it's always amazing getting to see uh, all the other creators, too, from across the pond or even from, you know, stateside, some that I've never met before, like Otterworldly. Um, I didn't realize that <laughs> Tiny Beats even lived like in the same state as me or the you know, same part of California. So, was like, oh, small world. But um, yeah, super yeah. fun. So I, I hope they do it again. Um, and yeah, just just maybe learn from this one. A couple things like, differently. All, only, only VR conventions is has been rare across the whole timeline. I think you've got mm-hmm. like VR days out in out in Europe. You've got um, obviously Oculus Connect for a time was was the go to for, you know, a VR meetup. But it, it's such a special feeling when you get there. And you don't have to explain what VR is to somebody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can be excited yeah. about it thing. without yeah. explaining every time. And that's like, that's really nice. But just being able to have people come together, people who are excited, like having that kind of party in real life. Like you talked about a virtual, you know, going away party for, for colleagues. But um, bringing people together in the flesh is like, that's a very special thing. Absolutely. And I think if, if the pandemic and lockdown taught us anything cherish every single one of those you know like you don't know what's going to happen next year you don't know it's going to happen you know (laughs) for a period of time so like i don't know that's just that's fantastic i'm so glad that Mm -hmm. people get to come together definitely supportive of of the event it sounded like a little bit of a creepy venue the way you described it almost (laughs) like you know those places that you go to paintball uh, you like paintball in like a busted out like old like mall, <laughs> and there's zombies popping yeah. out at you or something. Kind of was. Uh, I that's mean, what even it sounded uh, like. Yeah. like the between realities and QDC guys, they were gonna they were gonna do a live podcast in the venue area, but uh, because oh, the God. background kind of looked like you know some shady person might at any time, they decided <laughs> to actually do it at Dave and Buster's, uh, which went they they ended up having a little uh, like a banquet room at Dave and Buster's, and that worked out really well for them and um oh. so david busters is, is technically part of this event it was really cool because the um the podcast and the among us live stream got streamed on all of the tvs everywhere around david busters which was super cool so if you're just there playing games or sitting down eating or at the bar you just look up and you see people playing among us vr which was cool that that part was was like That's fantastic amazing. yeah and um they were super nice the the david busters people to you know just us vr gurks <laughs> in general <laughs> just, i like that the, the starring you definitely coined a we're term keeping it. Yeah, we're keeping it. but getting to Gherkin, see people right. from Gherkin. in real life that maybe you've only met on twitter or maybe you haven't even seen their face because everybody's got vr headsets on so sometimes yeah. it's like it's me so-and-so and i'm like oh i didn't know what your eyes looked like i'm sorry <laughs> you know can be disappointing as well right <laughs> I will say so far I haven't been disappointed. Luckily, I can't. Okay. I haven't had it. Kind of that'd be mean anyway. You know. Have you Have you noticed Adam, that set. Adam? Have you ever experienced like meeting somebody in person and then like to try like some content and then realizing that you're vibing with them better in the virtual space because you're so used to interacting with them yes, in VR. I mean, mm-hmm. There's. Uh, maybe not VR specifically, but like Twitter. I will say that some people have just a certain 
but maybe it's the way they type or where they're from, but they may come off as more like gruff or serious on Twitter, but then you meet them in person and they're so nice. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you can't always judge people based on just what they post on Twitter. You know, it's, it's really those yeah, right. real life interactions that you're like, oh, okay, I had this one perception of you just based on this. But now that I know like the real you, um, I know that you're actually you're quite more cheery uh, than <laughs> yeah. I thought. So that's, that's always good. But um, I am super excited because like, I know Mike and uh, Gamertag and a couple others, they got to try this experience. It's called Jump, um, which I'm kind of scared for. It's basically skydiving uh, in a, uh, but they have a valve index that's in what looks like a motorcycle helmet and they put you in the squirrel suit. So you're in like a wind tunnel and you're actually skydiving in VR. Um, I'm a little... That's amazing. I'm going to try it after this, but we'll see. I think the, the scary part for me will be because they were saying that you actually do have to step off of something initially. Uh, yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to do it, even if someone has to push me, because I want to do it. But that's, <laughs> I was going to say, your vestibular system, your whole body is like sending Neanderthal-level alarm bells it. off. Don't. Yeah. Even Richie's Plank Experience, which is, this, like, it's the simplest app that just went viral, right? But, like, when you step off a one-inch piece of plywood... You feel like you're going to die. I mean, it's <laughs> it's silly, but obviously those those instincts. And this is something I was really worried about when we started off with VR. I was like, is this going to suppress all of that like coding that I've got in me? Like, am, if I go and I go sim racing, then when I go out with my car, am I going to be lead footed? Like, am I going to want to you know just <laughs> naturally go faster? Am I not going to care about crashing into stuff? GTA, Thankfully, all that stuff kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just run people over. You know, I, I would be the like. opposite of, of that again. Like, I think I would like jump off and like the first thing I would try is like, what happens if I fly into a wall, you know, <laughs> just to <laughs> see like how the system reacts. Yeah, yeah like, they, the, I, I mean, that's one of the first things you do in a game, right? You either kill the person right in front of you or you see how far you can push the game, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it, actually. Go, go ahead, ahead, Adam. Oh, no, no, excited. I was just saying, I, I wanted to add on, I, I wanted to add on the, about Jump, the experience. So funny enough, that was actually, it reminded me back because um, the guys behind Jump are the same people behind Zero Latency. Uh, not Zero Latency, oh. sorry, not, not, not The Void, Void? for Disney. Yeah. The Void. So it, it's really cool, that's but good. that's exactly the, the, what I was thinking about that you mentioned. It's like the first thing I, want, I will do in that is like, I want to see what a crash looks like. Like, I, I, I want to see that. I don't want to see the cool jumping because I've seen those videos. I want to see somebody just <laughs> straight into a mountain. What does it look like? <laughs> you never know. I, I don't know how well or what kind of skill like is required. So I might just totally not open my arms or something. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. But it's, it's yeah, scary because it's, it's just a, it's a ledge in, in physically, like at least in Richie's plank experience, you know, it's just a virtual ledge but you're actually on flat ground but on this you do have to step off an edge to get into the wind tunnel part uh that's scary so so we'll see um i'm, I'm excited though excited but a little scared but mostly excited i yeah. think have you guys ever done the the richie's plank experience that is actually on a actually lifted up board I don't think I have. Uh, as I said, I've only gone like an inch or so off the ground. And okay. even that was enough for me. The, the thing that I did that was closest to what Adam's describing, however, um which Again, I'm loving Kent by on this episode. I, I did like shortly after him, uh, Birdly, where you like hold, hold, have your arms right. out extended on this flapping experience and you soar as a bird through 
almost like a, a series of skyscrapers, like you'd see Spider-Man, uh, you know, flinging through, but you're flying through as a bird or whatever. And, and your, your whole body is suspended, right? So you're planking basically. And this thing has these like mobile fins. I don't know whatever happened to Birdly. I think it ended up, I don't know. Is it still a showpiece or are they, are they gone? I don't know. The last one I saw that was pretty popular was at area 15 in Vegas. They, they had, mm. they had, they had two of them. Um, they were, they had a line. I don't know if they're still there. This was like two to three months ago. So hopefully they're still there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, um, I, I completely agree. Adding like a physical immersion layer to these games. There's, um, hopefully at I, at I app on X podcast, maybe I'll have some videos. There's a company that does still heavily improve Richie's plank experience. So there's one where they, they have you like on a, on a cross bridge just one with the actual board lifts up while you're still standing on oh, it so it actually geez. rumbles oh my god <laughs> there, there's there's a few crazy experiences so hopefully we can we can get some footage for you guys of, for uh, of all these experiences that'll be good so upcoming upcoming we've got that to look forward to mm-hmm. great um well that's the reality thanks for covering on the ground uh for adam for us mm-hmm. you guys have been like jumping around like jackrabbits or something <laughs> plenty of plane plane flights i hope that continues and that we uh, can get you know some of us to ces next year and other stuff like that so uh, looking forward to continuing to cover uh new tech new events and all of that uh now speaking of um kind of halloween and the <laughs> the dodgy surroundings um i had one unfortunate holiday discovery on halloween uh in that i had loaded up my trusty old oculus go to discover that previously paid for dlc <laughs> was inaccessible, locked, and pissing reviewers off. Um, so um, I was playing Face Your Fears, uh, which is a, which is one of the best-selling Oculus Go games where you could unlock each of the chapters uh, for, it was only like a dollar or two, it wasn't very expensive, whatever we paid for it. But there were, you know, eight or nine of these different experiences you could do. For example, Plane flight gone wrong, getting buried alive by your angry ex. That was a favorite of mine. Spiders, this kind of stuff, right? Uh, But no, you're just left with the kid's bedroom scene and robot King Kong. Uh, So you have two things, even if you paid for the whole package. Uh, So for me, and looking at what the reviewers were saying, um, how no one's responding to their woes over the last uh, number of months and years, it is quite disheartening to think that just a few years on from digital purchases, uh, meta shutter support and seemingly have given no response to the matter at all. It really sets a pre- scary precedent when you think about, you know, uh, the amount of money that people put into, say, purchase DLC for Beat Saber. What about Walkabout? Puzzling Places? You know, these games that you come to know and love. What if three years from now, all your content was locked off and gone and, you know, support's not helping out at all? So truly a haunting experience. I hmm. thought I would just echo that here because... I am continually concerned, just like I was in the early Steam days when it was like, okay, it's digital. You're going to just fold up in like two years and all my money is going to be gone, right? They've managed to keep stability. Meta hasn't been as bulletproof, actually, over its years. While its services tend to be stable and they move on with good R&D, they do tend to be front-leaning in terms of their focus. And the kind of um, looking in arrears support that they've had hasn't been great. So I know the Go is like a dead headset at this point and it's unsupported officially, but to have DLC like that all of a sudden, like just disappear. Yeah, it really got me worried about what the future means for even Quest. We've seen Quest 1, for example, 
you know, uh, lose favor in the eyes of Meta and the support teams in favor of Quest 2. That's going to be a continuing trend, I feel. Uh, but yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a hard one for those of us who like to mm-hmm. go go into the cabinet, take your old console or whatever out and play the old games. Um, so that was a bit of a naughty surprise. It must be a mistake. No, like like why, why would you do something like this intentionally? Right. Yeah. I, this I must think be a mistake a... that they haven't been made aware of and the game is not being, I don't know, maybe now like that people are actually complaining about it that will get it sorted. But it, this feels like something has been updated and done wrongly yeah. uh, Side rather effect. than like an, something intentional, I think. I mean, I, I, I give I them agree. the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure it's yeah, an unintended yeah. side effect, but I wasn't yeah. like, you would think that developers would be given the heads up, like Turtle Rock Studios behind this one, for example, would be given the heads up to say, okay, if you want your game to function after cutoff date, then just you know code it a bit so you can kind of open the doors to everybody who paid the dlc or right. you know if you're if you're a really uh nice feeling dev maybe you just say i'm gonna open the gates now you know i've gotten all the money yeah. i needed right let's just open the gates but i the the inability to play something like that a feature that was yeah. there before ugh, just doesn't taste very good um mm-hmm. so i'm gonna keep uh pushing buttons on that one see if i can get a response from support teams and or turtle rock and get the official line so to speak from support and if i get nothing else from it I want my money back. You know, I want yeah, to go and really say, weird. hey, I can't I can't access the stuff I paid for. Refund me. Thank you. Um, so we've had success there before. Um, anyway, so that was Face to Fears, a little bit of a holiday bundle for those of you just, uh, you know, with with Beat Saber collections of uh, hundred quid or more. Uh, next up, I wanted to talk about uh, Ghostbusters uh, VR, which we know is in development by UK studio and dreams. Uh, it's now got its official title which is Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord. Again, for those who really like, you know, thinking back to the 80s, this is this is a special place. Uh, it offers a four-player experience akin to Left 4 Dead and will be taking place in iconic locations around San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge, etc., and is launching in 2023. So one we're definitely looking forward to next year. Um, and if you can't wait, for that official experience. Uh, we also had news of a nifty looking uh, conversion mod for Left 4 Dead 2 called Ghostbusters Dark Carnival. So for those of you familiar with Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, um, you can find this new, I so call it a mod conversion pack uh, available on Steam Workshop, which is playable with the Left VR Dead 2 mod that converts uh, the original Dark Carnival level with a series of changes to bring the original cast of enemies, weapons like proton packs into the game, enemies from the original game like uh, the Marshmallow Man or Slimer. Uh, really interesting just to kind of see that conversion, but it's it's like a, it's a niche of a niche of a niche, isn't it? And they even did a nice little uh, little trailer for this. But, um, you know, you have to kind of get the VR mod, have Left 4 Dead 2, get the bundle to kind of convert it. And then find some people to play with, I suppose, who've got the same oh, thing. It. So <laughs> <laughs> the the crazy thing is though is that I think that the trailer looks even better than the trailer from the actual game. You you mean yeah, one. so this 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 community project is at the moment the looking The trailer is is yeah. really, really solid. Really well done. Really well done. Really exactly. solid. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how the game is, of course, but like uh, the trailer looks like it's like they, they really highlight, you know, that team play where you have like the other Ghostbusters, they all stand in the same position and stuff like that. It's yeah. that's really well done. The trailer, I like it. Yeah, it's it makes dope. me itch for for some Left 4 Dead vibes, to be uh, honest. Oh, I, I love that game so much. Like after the fall, which is the best we've got in VR, you know, I just one of these days, one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like after well, the fall? 
No, I do like okay. After the Fall. After the Fall is one of my favorite VR games at the moment. Um, I just don't get enough time to play it. I was so happy with my, I think it was a toxic paint job. I know Britney Spears is now going off in my head. Like, like my <laughs> oh, toxic no. paint job for my uh, for my shotgun. Oh man, baby, I'd I'd use that any day of the week. I love that game. <laughs> Well, I mean, Christmas is coming up. They're going to have probably the Christmas skins coming back. Plus, they got all the new guns. So then you got to get some time with those guns to get the skins, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, a great shout no. because I hope I get the chance. <laughs> Rowdy hates skins, but they're not paid for skins. You know what I mean? They're, they're, it doesn't matter. Like that's even worse. It's even worse. Why? Why? Come on. Well, you, why? You because it. Be- it's a burnt badge of badge of honor, Ravi, is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's call it that. It's let's not paid it. for. There's no microtransactions. <laughs> it's just pure effort, Yet. right? Uh, although last, see, the thing is, last Christmas I was busy getting my family out of the UK, and I saw these. They were just launching skins and stuff, so I didn't get a chance. So thanks, Adam, for highlighting it. Now I'll I'll set aside a week, you know, take time off work and get a candy cane shotgun. Uh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Christmas present sorted. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, so on to the next thing, a little bit of uh, news we got from uh, Rec Room, which is broad across uh, Meta's platform. Uh, first question I want to ask you all is, um, you know, online, when you're online, who can really tell the difference between an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old here? Like, can any of you really tell the difference? Uh, I guess no I just one? categorize them as kid. Ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hear a kid, you're like, kid. I love uh, this. Don't, okay, so well, this is like the Apple Android thing, right? Like who likes kids, like who doesn't? Right? Below 10, because I feel like there's like a baby voice, right? And then sometimes yeah. there's like a teen that sort of makes more sense where they're just being loud and trying to fit in for the sake of the fact that they're a teenager and they're just like want to fit in with the adults. So I think yeah. you can kind of tell that maybe like 10 and under I might jumble up a bit or between like yeah. five and that, six and 10 and then... That, Pre prepubescent sound that just comes out, yeah, Stickers. across those the mics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's been plenty of lovely uh, names for them. Anyway, just to fill people in, why are we talking about kids on online? Um, this isn't like a dodgy after part of the podcast. This is on, on, on November first. Rec Room tweeted that Meta is requiring all apps on the platform to block users under 13 years of age or be removed from the Quest store. So obviously they're bringing the big guns out. Some of this was in the terms and service before. They go on to say this means junior accounts, which is a rec room thing, uh, the junior accounts will not be supported on Meta devices starting November 14th. So that's a very short fuse. They give you and tell you, and then two weeks later, boom, all of a sudden, um, you know, your kid who's happy over there, (laughs) 12-year-old or whatever, using daddy or mommy's headset uh, in the corner playing rec room with his buddies, is getting a snip. Shut right? up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then the question is, why? Uh, why would why would Meta do this? Why would they come to enforce it heavier right now? And I do have a theory, and I'd like to open this up for uh, discussion here. But first, let me cover three points that, God, it's the third time I'm mentioning him. He's like a wicked witch. Uh, Kent By and I hammered out on in a tennis match on Twitter earlier this week. And there are three things uh, that we thought would be potential drivers. Now, the first one is the obvious one. Uh, it's a U.S. driver, which is COPPA, Child's Online Privacy Protection Act, which is a federal law in the U.S., uh, which aims to address child protection assurances for websites or online services aimed at children under the age of 13. Uh, I think many of you will remember the age of YouTube when people had mm. these naughty like Spider-Man outfits and stuff and they were targeting kids, getting views off them, but the content really wasn't appropriate for someone in that age range. Um, so that made quite a stir several years ago. 
And COPPA basically deals with, you know, information collection, advertising, and a number of other facets targeting kids, right? So the first thing is COPPA compliance is the, the banner, right? Banner child of that. I think it goes a little bit deeper. So the first point behind that is, um, I think something that, that John Carmack had mentioned that got me thinking in this way was about, what about the, I'll call them free rollers on Quest, right? Download Gorilla Tag on your headset. Who are you paying, right, for 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 those online services? Who are you download? Who's who's paying for the the cost of uh, of serving you the content? Who's paying for the network services to connect you with the other kids, right? Are you paying for apps, or are you just kind of running on what you downloaded off of App Lab? So thinking about the running costs of servers and services, I honestly think that given they're kind of tightening the belts at Meta uh, through a number of things that we've seen both internal and through leaks. Um, I think they're going through a, an expense reduction process, and I think that that would help to address uh, the running costs of content servers. Because think of, you know, Gorilla Tag, App Lab Freebies, Rec Room, VR Chat. None of those require you to put money down. Um, and if you think about consoles like Nintendo Switch, Xbox, right, PlayStation, uh, the consoles were all eventually driven to a paid for networking model where you pay a subscription cost and that pays for your slice of the infrastructure so you can keep riding happily and connect with other people, right? Because it's very different from I'm going to play a game and maybe I'll play it for an hour. Maybe I'll play it for 200 hours, but it's kind of a fixed deal. It's not a running cost like what you have if you play World of Warcraft or some other MMO, right? So that's the second thing. That's the second idea is maybe it's a server cost. Now, the third one, and this one is particularly nasty, um, it's kind of a potential reason. And this is one that Kent came up with. And I was like, ooh, that's naughty. Um, but do you remember big screen? What happened with big screen? So they were ticketing for events, right? Um, well, right? Meta are could be playing tough with one of their main competitors, if not all of their main competitors. Rec Room is a big one. Um, and with a platform that's led based on a metaverse through Horizons being the poster child, um, remember, Horizons doesn't let kids in. If you're under 13, you don't get on into that platform. So this could be meta essentially strong arming and saying, hey, play fair. You know, we can't compete unless you're playing by the same rules I'm playing by. So we're going to have to strong arm you to play by those rules. And I think enforcement is going to be a particularly tricky thing for the platforms like VR chat, rec room. Like, how do you enforce that someone is the age they say they are? Obviously, you know, Rec Room has its junior accounts, which have this kind of boundary of what you should be using it for. And it means that kids play it with kids and adults don't have to mingle um, and all of the protections that come in there. But again, there's there's no enforcement. You're not exchanging IDs. You're not submitting your passport or whatever. So I don't know, a bit of a weird one. But uh, I just wanted to clarify before we kind of open this up for everybody to jump on it. Um, this is specifically targeting right now Meta. So your Quest, right? Or your Rift S if you're still using one or an older gen headset, right? Say you're on a CV1 and accessing Rec Room, the Quest Store presence and that access is what's targeted at the moment by this restriction. If you play Rec Room via Steam, you play Rec Room not in VR on a tablet, right? iOS, for example, or an Android, you will still be able to play the game being below the age of 13, okay? So just thought I'd throw that out. So let's open this up. What do you think? is the reason behind the change and where do you think we're heading with with all of this um if, for me personally yeah. i i think it's just legal i think it's just legal reasoning uh because 
I mean, kids are still going to be able to play Rec Room by just using their parents' accounts. Uh, I think that a lot of parents just, like, you know, install Rec Room and have their kids play it. Because I don't think, like, kids, like, specifically, like, like those junior accounts. I mean, it's more like a legal reasoning, I think, that those accounts exist. That they, you know, if something happens, they could say, oh, well, you know, you were not supposed to play it uh, using that uh, using uh, that account. You know, it's, it breaks the rules and regulations. So I think that the reasoning is just, like, you know, meta covering themselves in. For like uh, you know, ensuring that in case something happens, that they don't get the because like it's still this, it's personal information, right? That they're collecting, and that's what they want to do, and they can't collect that from kids, yep. uh, especially not on the age of thirteen. So um, I I'm thinking that you know that they know that I mean, people, especially kids, are smart these days. You know, like they're gonna find a way to play it anyway. But then at least you know it can't come back to Meta, just like it did with YouTube. I can't come back to YouTube saying like, oh, you know, you're right, your rules and regulations were not in place. Yeah, I think Meta, that is the Meta exactly to, to your point, Rowdy, is that Meta, Meta is a analytics and data gathering company, right? So they have mm-hmm. to, and you just said it yourself, this only affects Meta products. And that's the reason they're strong arming the competitors because it's competitors. And that's the reason why Meta is going all in on VR is because they were cut off from the traditional internet, right? So the internet is currently dominated by the hardware ecosystems that allow you to get onto the internet, right? So Mm. when you look at the original Oculus, these platforms were device agnostic, so they could pretty much work on everywhere. So when you look at Rec Room, you can track a 13-year-old or whoever. What happens when they shut down Rec Room and they open up Beat Saber, right? So Rec Room on other platforms, they can track that data because, oh, they went from Rec Room to Beat Saber, from Beat Saber to Gorilla Tag. That's the issue with Meta right now is that they can track you when they get when you get into Gorilla Tag. They can look at the user data, but they can't do much with that data. What does that user like outside of Gorilla Tag? And if there is a way to get that data, can you justify it legally? And it goes mm-hmm. back down to the legal issue. It, it's all tracking. It's all data. Um, Web 2.0 is completely locked out from Facebook. That's the reason Facebook is going down. If they had access to all of this interests that are evolving in real space facebook will still be number one people keep assuming that facebook is like going down because of interest no it's just they don't have access to your interests anymore and and on top of that like the entire thing about like meta being able to collect data is regardless of which account that you use i'm 100 certain that they know which person is using that account And they can probably estimate the age by, you know, the size from the ground, the amount of arm movements, the, you know, the voice that they, all of that stuff. So they'll, they'll be able, but the legal aspect of it is that they're not like, let's be honest, like law hasn't really caught up with that because Meta can easily make a profile based on sub profiles uh, that are all working under the same kind of account and then say, okay, this person is a woman and this person is a kid of like around this years, just by the very limited amount of data that they collect. But Mm -hmm. legally, they need to ensure that the information that they so-called collect uh, is only being collected from people. And also the data that they are getting is not valuable. Um, The data Mm -hmm. that you get within your ecosystem is not valuable. The ecosystem, the, the, the value is what people are doing outside of your platform in order for you to be competitive and, get that data in and bring that person back in. Um, if you don't know what that user is doing outside of these platforms or these ecosystems or these games, you really can't do much with that data. So they can't even legally, they can't legally justify it, but it's also 
useless. <laughs> it's, it really is useless data. Um, and that's what's happening right now. It's that Meta, Meta's main priority right now is not VR. It's not headsets. It's none of that. It's actually dominating the next phase of the internet, whatever that is. If tomorrow we find out that augmented reality is going to be the number one platform, they're abandoning VR completely. It's yeah. dominating the ecosystem, holding onto the keys because Apple currently owns access to the internet and it has the most positive tone right now. So it, it, it's, it's really figuring that out is how, how do I get the Oculus app to track you outside of the Oculus app, right? So that's what's happening right now. Apple has mm. access to what you're doing on the Oculus app, but also what you're doing outside the Oculus app. Also knows what, when you open the Oculus app and you open up Safari to Google similar games like Beat Saber, Oculus doesn't have those results, but Apple yeah. does. So but now, it, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Facebook definitely used that and has used it for uh, their breadwinning on ad placement and targeted ad ad spots. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Adam, what's your what's your take on all of this yeah. rec room stuff? I think pretty much that they are covering their butts, but also trying to remain consistent because even though, um, I mean, yes, a, ki a kid can have a quest, but I'm pretty sure even the parental controls on the quest are meant for like 13 and up to for a, a parent to, you know, control the teen. Mm. So it, it is kind of a weird disconnect that, you know, technically the quest platform is like 13 and up, but then you have Rec Room, which is a game that's more geared towards under 13. What I'm curious to see on how this might affect other games like are they going to have to have more clear guidelines as well or is that just going to be covered uh by you know uh, meta as a whole um because thinking of games like population one vr chat i don't know i don't remember off the top of my head if they specifically say 13 or up but is that something that now they're going to have to consider um and then even you know when you mentioned the subscription-based model i'm just like oh man thinking about you know flashbacks back to like hey if you want to go online nintendo switch xbox live all that but then how, like all of these games that are already existing are just are going to have to make a lot of changes if that's the case. And I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it, it'll be it, it'll be interesting. I think this is definitely the start of some big changes coming forth. What they'll be, I, I don't know mm. for sure yet. But it, it, I mean, it probably also goes into the fact that they say, you know, kids under 13, like if you have the headset too close, like that can affect eyesight and everything. But mostly I think it's a it's a um, legal, but also just a consistent across all platforms thing. Like we want to make sure that, yes, it's going to be, well, maybe, maybe starting with Rec Room. Again, we'll have to see if other, if other games have to follow suit. But yeah, it's just, we say it's 13 as meta. So it, it makes sense then that all the games we cover on our platform have to be 13 and over as well. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I, I would have expected to see more on 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 Twitter or broad broad form media about other platforms because this is this has been in their terms of service for some time now they're getting strong with it obviously there's been a equivalent of a cease and desist letter passed from Meta to Rec Room to say hey guys you got to comply by X date um, others will have received similar but I haven't seen the same from VR Chat or others um, so I don't know if it's phased to some extent, if they're moving target to target, giving giving different uh, companies different dates. I would have assumed it would have been a consistent date to comply with. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see how it affects uh, other players. The question that I had in my mind and why I started to go beyond just the legal ramifications was, why now? Why now? This is not, this is more than a year old. This is not new. 
right? This is not a new requirement. Obviously, meta are getting strong. Jose, you think he's, he's dangling the Quest Pro yes, in front of us? Yes, 100%. Why do, you, why do you think now that meta is in this position to reinforce it's the only line. position it has um once again it's it's a data competition it's it's gathering information it's knowing what people are doing with these with these software ecosystems and dominating the next step right so by understanding what is the interest of the mass consumer and knowing what they're going to do with these devices you get to control what happens outside of it right there's a reason why it goes all the way back to the foundations of the Quest platform. It goes back to the store. There's a reason why certain games get into the market and some don't. It's the ones that provide the most data, the most engagement, the most conversation, and the ones that, unfortunately, optically, it looks like that Meta has their grabs on them, but it's really the ones that they have a really in integrated relationship so they can get access to the data that they can't, right? So that's what's happening right now. It is purely a data ownership uh race um there so you think yeah. they're cle they're data cleansing to some extent oh, so absolutely. Saying, you have to you you, you have we, to know because like with the advent of of um it's not just about selling their their metaverse platform but are you talking from an advertiser's stance advertiser uh software perspective they meta is now facing the reality that there are companies that you mentioned earlier um mm -hmm. you're being locked out of dlc so now there's going to be companies that will be able to have a much easier conversation with their customers. They're going to be able to say, hey, we've been storing games for over 15 years. Everything that has been cut off from backlog or through licensing, we have done our, our you know, our homework. We give you a year's, you know, there's history like that. We're talking about Sony. Apple already has a conversation that when it comes to security, um, I think I saw a, a poll a few days ago. It was like, who do you trust more, Apple or Meta when it comes to security? And Apple won tenfold, right? So there's a, there's a lot of uh, optical value to to data right now, and they know so that. Why, it, why does shutting kids off help? Because that? now you have an easier conversation with the grandfathers and concerned mothers. They're like, "Oh, I'm buying this headset for my kid. I don't want my kids' data to get tracked. I don't want them to know what cartoons they love the most in order so they're starting to get advertising." That's what this device is enabling for adults now. We are. Entering the age of your eyes are now worth more than anything else. So in order for that mm. data to be valuable, they have to collect pure data. They cannot have a lot of noise in that data. They cannot have the, the kids that are not spending the money. So everything that we've been listing is really, really the answer. It's a very complex, singular thing that when you look at it, mm. it comes down to legal, but it's, it's everything we've been mentioning um it's just too much noise right now and how do you mm. how do you discern a 13 year old rowdy said it earlier you can through data how yep. and now when you have clean data and now you get the outliers oh that's a kid oh that's a non-paying person those are the ones you lock out of the wild garden and you can easily tell advertisers they're not a concern which was apple's going to have right now that's the biggest concern is apple has Unfortunately, due to the to the situation that they put themselves in, they have more data than everyone else, but they're also filtering through the most data right now, right? In other words, Internet 2.0 is dead. It's full of adware. It's full of pop-ups. There's tracking information. That's why a lot of people are talking about platforms like Mastodon and all these weird uh, social networks. It's because people are starting to value now and understand that attention is king. And these platforms are now building yep. devices 
yeah. that are completely designed purely for attacking that head on from multiple cameras. The controllers are not camera based and people are not connecting the dots yet with that. But yeah, that's it, it's it's all data. All data. We'll definitely Got go it. into that Apple, in a little Apple bit. Apple is that. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that would be a that would be a future. The, the other thing that I wanted to mention while we're on the topic of these uh, social apps like like VR Chat, and I, I would just say that I'm not settled yet in the answer to this one, but there's some there's some plays going on I think that are happening at the moment. Definitely strategic changes happening, whether that be survivability of a company or um, or just playing against comp competition. It, it, there's there's chess pieces moving on the board right now. And I kind of feel that. Um, I do think it's a bit of an odd time, however, if Rec Room now shutter to, you know, junior accounts and those get closed from November 14th, kids I think would would generally then just go to the next closest app, maybe VR chat, right? Like we were talking about that. And I don't think VR chat has a junior account equivalent, uh, not that I'm aware anyway. And um, it, it's maybe bad timing for this, but um, VR chat labs, uh, they now have just... Uh, unleashed a, uh, a nifty feature uh, that I also wanted to, to say in this kind of same breath, which is locomotion hand and finger tracking capability in a new experimental feature. Um, they launched the new user interface actually for VRChat, substantially helping that uh, in, in the environment um, not long ago. Um, but I, I, I wanted to also mention this. So you can actually move around with your hands, jump, Use, use the menu, turn, you know, all this kind of stuff with your hands only. So they've come up with quite an innovative approach that initially I looked at it and thought, God, that's going to be frustrating, right? What happens when you want to just let, let, let your hands drop or whatever? Am I, is my character going to do a backflip? Like what's going to go on? <laughs> um, but I do think it's like, an, it's a new, it's another new experiment, like moving us in the right direction of how will we control ourselves when we get to that point where we've got a headset and we're primarily using hand-based tracking and no controllers in hand, you know, because that is a future. I'm not going to say it's the gamer future necessarily, but for use of a headset where you are uh, controller free, it's kind of interesting to see VR chat uh, take a push. And we're also seeing Rec Room and VR chat, just like Meta's doing with Horizon, they're both put gunning forward. You know, they're, they're researching, there's R&D going into their products, they're buffing up, they're making their spaces as best as they can, but they also have to live as a business. And so it's really interesting to see what plays they're taking. I think Rec Room a few years ago did a great job with the creator program and they do make money off of that, kind of have created a, a virtual currency and now they're trading that currency for now surviving as a company. So that helps them. Uh, but these recent changes are going to really alter the dynamic of uh, who's who's playing the apps, who's using them, but also who the young creators are who are, you know, building these worlds going forward. So interesting to see this bar, this uh, kind of line in the sand be drawn that bit harder. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head because usually, you know, it's like, are you past 13? Yes, way. But I wonder, uh, I can't remember <laughs> if when you make a VR, <laughs> being completely honest, but I, I don't remember if when you make a VR chat account, if there is some sort of like a age verification, because it's been so long since I had, you know, made a new account. But there might be a like, you know, birth date or agree that you're 13 or older. But I, I don't remember off the top of my head to confirm if this is true, because then that would technically still comply with meta um, be in line with their 13 and older. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it does in the modern in the modern era. I say that because a lot of like like EU laws and the U S and EU laws are getting closer and closer together. But like, one of the things is, uh, you know, you can put a little prompt that says, are you 
you know, <laughs> are you over 13? It's equivalent of adult websites back in the day saying, are you over 18? Yes, let me in, please. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. you know, it's not going to stop anybody, that, no. but at least they have like, <laughs> something in place. Right. What, what I mean is, what is an age gate? With the richness that Jose is highlighting here of the information that they've got right on you and what Rowdy's saying is like they can pinpoint accuracy within a minute, tell who you are, right? Yep. I can't imagine in the seat of, of uh, a regulator looking at Meta and saying, oh yeah, oh, it's fine. They, they, they filled out the checkbox, but they're lying. But, so you're fine. But, like, but the, I do think that that is more how it is. I think that the law is way behind on that. I don't think that I agree like, with you. I, I don't think that there's currently any kind of regu regulation that like helps with like tackling that problem. Like, I think the problem is rather like, like, I don't, I, that, and that's what I'm saying. I think it's like just legally covering their asses because what, what's stopping Bare them from minimum. making a new account? And also there's going to be companies that, um, to be frank, that people will trust weirdly enough their kids information with right so there will yep. be platforms um there's one that um had a very powerful um um showing uh, a few months ago which was disney they were showing casing their uh their um their magic bands the 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 the, the new models of them and one of the imagineers well, what, what what sorry what's a magic band it's uh it's a fast pass band that allows you to essentially virtually skip the line in or check in for every it's pretty much a virtual debit card well, for the theme park like, a, for like an rfid on RFID. Your wrist. it's more advanced huh. than rfid currently they sure. are rfid based but there are a new version that, that's coming out they actually are they have little uh they didn't want to go into details of it but they have little computers on them and they're similar they were trying their best to not compare them to an apple watch but it really will be an Apple Watch. So start thinking <laughs> about these devices that will be tracking, you know, what you're doing in Disney. And if Disney starts expanding to other locations and having smaller form factors or headsets, there will be a new way of creating walled gardens for children. And maybe that, once again, it's you have to split the data in order for you to convince um, right. the legals, uh, the legal makers... It's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like like battle royale where like if the kid goes into like a specific zone, like their hats will blow up. Mm -hmm. Right, that's kind of <laughs> like what they're planning on. It literally, <laughs> it, nice. it, it's, it, it's bizarre. Um, Chuck E. Cheese showed a, a similar concept where yeah, well. they 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 actually have it literally. Blowing kids hats off. It, well, it won't blow the, your kids hats off, but like if you're you know having oh, a beer and your kid just randomly walks out of the Chuck E. Cheese, you will get a notification. It's like, yo, your kid's trying to run off on you and you're still in the location. <laughs> okay. So well, I've never thought, I, I've never heard of such a strong uh, double-edged sword in my mind. Yeah. Track kids so that they're in the right place. What if someone, the wrong kind of person gets available to that information? You know what I mean? Like, so kid-based tracking, period, I think just to me sounds... Uh, problematic. You, you definitely design. have to do right? you, a company by that design. has done it for years, who's established, who has done it for historically, has been running theme parks. Those yeah. are the people that you might trust with that information. Where Meta doesn't have that history, they don't. They're a software company, so they're always going to use the data value before the decision, right? That, yeah. That's the, the same yeah. thing with Google. Like everybody keeps getting shocked <laughs> when Google, a company that is. Making decisions based on data always abandons what's not working. And it was like, what? It's. Yeah. And this is also assuming that the parents are like kind of tech, not tech savvy, but just kind of into it. Because a lot of parents are just like, here's a Game Boy. 
whatever. And that's kind of the equivalent of the quest. It's like not necessarily that they have blinders on, but they don't know. And they just kind of want something to babysit their kids for a couple of hours. And I think that's uh, probably a higher majority than we think, because we're all Gurks here. So like we're we're in this world and we kind of know what's going on. But, you know, it's, there's a lot of it's just regular, um, regular parents that want to entertain their their children and just have them go do some go somewhere else exactly. for a couple hours. Yeah, I, I think there are ramifications for this uh, many different ways, but I'm not going to go any further. We're going to call time on the rec room thing and move on to the next <laughs> little piece of quick news. Jesus, we're an hour and 10 in. OK, I'm going to try to zippity skip through some of this stuff a bit quicker. Um, the next thing I wanted to just highlight here, um, which was which is kind of combination of news. Uh, Cyan Worlds revealed that their classic sequel to Mist uh, called Riven. Uh, which is an adventure puzzle game, uh, will be a 3D title with fully traversable space, unlike the original 2D point-and-click adventure. Even though those original worlds looked kind of 3D-esque, they were actually just 2D click adventures. Um, this leads me to think that we might be getting Riven VR, uh, which would be very nice. I really do like Myst. I like their conversion. Um, they have Abduction, uh, which is a VR Steam game. Fantastic. Mist is also in VR now. You can play it in full. Firmament is their next title. That's in development, and that's coming in quarter one, 2023. And man, it looks good. It really is. Like some of the visuals on this one um, are fantastic. They released just two months ago nine minutes of an in-progress footage, which to me is just chilling because I've played some of the other Cyan Worlds games. And it's just like you start to see like not old games brought to future, but this is their new like IP sort of in a similar universe. Um, it's set to ominous music, shows you this expansive world that I really can't wait to get frustrated as Helen, uh, complete with <laughs> at least one laser pointer alignment puzzle, right? So that's it. There's always a laser puzzle in Cyan Worlds games. That's what I've learned is that there's always a, you're pointing a laser at something. Uh, but I'm, I'm really impressed with what Cyan have done so far. They are taking their time. They had a Kickstarter. They've been delayed a little bit. Um, but 2023 definitely has a few uh, games on the cards that I'm interested in. And because it's so different an experience than just your average, you know, rail game or VR shooter or whatever, absolutely Firmament is one to look out for next year. Okay. Nice. Um, so with that, and speaking of magic crystals, let's move on to uh, the Pimax crystal and a little bit of news about their reality 12K QLED headset. Okay. So Pimax gave an update. I always shudder at these Pimax updates because the guys who talk about, they're like used car salesmen trying to sell you something that is definitely dodgy. But anyway, put that to one side. Uh, they gave us an update on Pimax Crystal, which is now uh, for Pimaxians. I don't know if that's a subscription or what the deal that is. Maybe existing Pimax purchasers for $1,500, obviously now priced to compete with uh, Quest Pro or $1,600 US dollars for the rest wow. of us. Uh, reservations are now being opened at two per order. $30 gets you a reservation for the Pimax crystal. So what is it? Uh, it's a headset that still keeps the hammerhead design. It's got a display port 1.4 for tethered content. Uh, there's a 6,000 milliamp hour battery that's hot swappable that goes into the headset. Uh, also they have a fiber optic cable, very similar to, you know, what we've seen and done with the Quest 2, for example. Uh, the lenses themselves are glass-coated lenses and not Fresnel lenses. They've backed away from that to get rid of God rays and all that. It seems that Fresnel have fallen out of favor, it seems, uh, with uh, VR enthusiasts. Uh, but this is quite different to Quest uh, Pro, for example, and we'll compare and contrast those a little bit later. The controllers, however, look like 
clones of the Quest 2 controller, uh, now with a very familiar ring with thumbsticks. Um, they look like they've just gone dark mode, kind of black colored Quest 2 controller. They're kind of nice looking, actually. And someone on the internet uh, said, hey, what, what if uh, the Pimax controllers were now interoperable with, uh, you know, the, the Quest platform in terms of the, the tracking system? Uh, that would be great. That'd be a really cool feature because I want to get away from Vive Wands and stuff like that and index controllers that are pricey and fall apart. Um, there is going to be, there is also an interesting take that they have. They're not like selecting a strategy. They allow you to pop in lenses that have a different PPD rating, uh, for your eyes. So you, it comes with two sets, one that is a wide field of view and another one that is a bit more crisp and fine, but reduces the field of view, which is of course the selling point for Pimax headsets. Um, they're magnetic lenses, but you can also screw them into place. So again, some really weird engineering choices that they're making with this headset. It's got auto IPD adjustment. And although it works on uh, Wi-Fi 6E like others, it, it it's kind of touting Y-Gig compatibility along with, I understand, a dongle for a faster, stable streaming experience, 60 gigahertz signal, and works well within five to eight meters of your PC is what they're citing. Okay, so that's their, that's their crystal headset. Uh, I am still very skeptical anything Pimax. I know there's a few simmers out there who particularly like it. Uh, I've only ever used their 5K headset, so I can't, you know, naysay against the current ones, but their 12K QLED headset was supposed to be out by now, and it's now slipped to next year. They're quoting that about 70% of the certification work, whatever the fact that means, <laughs> is done on this headset. They show this little picture of climbing a mountain saying, you know, talking about challenges getting there. They've had engineering challenges their entire life. Uh, I think sticking to a deadline is something that has proved difficult for them, or at least setting a realistic target or maybe not setting a target that you can't meet uh, is something that I would just recommend to Pimax. But uh, I do hope Pimax fans uh, get a chance to go after a headset that isn't locked into the meadow ecosystem, isn't tied down in that way. And hey, it's another competitor and competition is healthy for the ecosystem. So any of you... Um, Pimax fans? I don't know, actually. Like, Jose, what about you? Got a Pimax uh, in your No, uh, in actually, your cabinet? I, I have a 5K somewhere, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not really a big Pimax fan. Um, Pimax is a really good example of what, what can currently be done, but can't be done in mass scale, right? So that's, that's yeah. I, every time I see a Pimax headset come up, comes up, coming out, it's like, oh, this is what you can currently do if you hand manufacture a headset. Uh, but, you know, not in mass produce. So, it's exciting when you think about it, when you see all these headsets, especially the crystal, it, it means, wow, we are at a point now where you can reach a standalone hybrid based infrared and system on the chip based uh, headset, which makes you wonder, okay, if this is now theoretically possible, the companies that make headsets reliably are now figuring out how to do this in mass mass producing it it's it's mm -hmm. it reminds me of the uh the vive pro when they had that module that looked like fins at the back of your head right they're able to stream uh such quality right to a headset just not too far away from a pc so that's certainly interesting and it has applications yeah. uh, as i said simmers you know cutting the cable i suppose on a simmer who's sitting on a, on a desk anyway isn't such a big deal but if you are going to walk about with these things or showcase it you know um, it's still an interesting, I, I would, I have to say the Pimax logo, like the, almost like the Nike swoosh, the, the like little tick logo, uh, and the shape and the form factor of the headset, like that hammerhead style design, they just look cool. Yeah. So yeah. I do, I do like that. Uh, I think absolutely. the design is really like yeah. really nice. There, there's two things that I think that I like about this, this headset or the way that they presented at least uh, like it does feel like it has become more condensed. It isn't like as like, they did. 
like it, it feels like it like it like not shrunk but like you know it feels a little bit more like a not Tidy. like that hammerhead kind of thing that yeah. you can put on you you feel like you're gonna fall over but like it, it looks like a, a little bit more of like a compact kind of headset and the <laughs> yeah. second thing what i do like but of course that comes at a, at a downside as well as like the modularity of it like switching out components yeah. i like that kind of stuff what that does it does add a lot of bulk of course it's like you can't have something really specifically optimized for the headset to work specifically and then just swap that out and then swap something else in. There's always going to be like some kind of bulk that you need to add in order for that to work properly. Yeah. I do like that stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've always followed those like modular phones where you can like, you know, swap yeah. out the camera. But all of them have been like, you know, bricks, you know, like you need to swap out a camera yeah. and I like put another camera in. Like, but I do like that. I, I think, you know, in the future, yeah. you know, as things become more streamlined, we're going to see more of that, you know, like swapping components out and like doing that kind of stuff. I, I, I do like that. I, I love I, that I, idea. I that interoperability must be a Jose yeah. thing. Must yeah. be because, like, the idea of like almost to build your own headset through parts, right? Frankenstein. Like, it. Well, it's really funny because this is where where I'm going to go completely left, and I'm very, very against modular headsets. I wow. am very I'm as unexpected. Much, as much as I love modular technology, um, modular technology has always proven that always become masters of nothing. Um, I'm a more of a believer True. of Good call. You know, for example, Quest Two games. Business or spatial computing, Quest Pro, right? So if you want to do really high-end PC VR, Valve Index. Right? I got a second. Wait, wait. You're 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 you're, you're citing Quest Two. Yes. And I would have argued. I would have argued that Quest Two is by design a tiered headset or not modular per se, but like like well, for no, example, no. you you upgrade the strap, you upgrade. You know what I mean? You yes. upgrade the interface. Like it almost is a modular yes. headset, even even from how it's priced. Yeah. Because you're, you're pricing it for being like the bare bones, but you can go upwards from there mm. officially. I'm not talking just third party. Mm -hmm. So, but when you say modular, like, do you mean where they haven't made a hard, like a hard line in yes. terms of engineering the product? Correct. And they've said, oh, you can have both roads. Yeah. And, and that's the problem right now is that right now we're kind of in the, you know, the, the, the mod, the, the folding micro laptop phase of vr where, i don't know if you ever guys remember like the old school dell laptops <laughs> that you open it up and the keyboard like flipped open like a butterfly in order to go this so awesome we're, we're in that era of vr right now where we're over engineering products and hardware in order to answer through hardware the what's coming in the future right that that that's right. that's what i i like to call the quest pro a lot of people keep mm -hmm. talking about these devices and it's it's over engineering so when you think of modular devices um, they tend, especially right now, like the Pimax, um, I seen another one. I don't, I can, I'm trying to remember the name of Imagine, Imagine, but they look like really, they look like little Panasonic goggles where they're kind of mm. doing something similar, um, and going after PC VR. And I feel like that's the right route, right? It's figuring out what your goal is. And yeah, going, no, that's, that's 100% yeah. true. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. I just like the concept of modularity. Oh, it's so you badass. Know, I, yeah. Like, it, like sw swapping things out or like improve, like the, I, I love that concept, but mm -hmm. indeed like, you know, from a, from a business perspective, you typically, you have your target audience, you know, what works for that target audience and you engineer everything towards that target audience, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's, it's really weird. Cause yeah, once again, it just sounds so cool in theory. Right. But I also remember like the Game Boy Color with the little weird oh, ribbon man, attachment so awesome. and the <laughs> big. So, that, so when I, I, I like to apply things, it's like, oh man, we, we've tried modular devices in history and they never mm -hmm. work out so well. So I think I really want to see the best PC VR headset, the best augmented reality, 
headset. But imagine, yeah. imagine the future. Everyone has like a 3D printer and you could just you know, 3D print <gasps> your talking. next kind of component. You know, like, oh man. That'd be pretty like, cool. I would love model like that. You know? I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm all for I'm all for I'm all for 3D printed, but I'll tell you, I was Subnautica. kayaking. <laughs> I was kayaking with a uh with a 3D printed, you know, piece that it, it broke because you know how 3D prints have those striations and they're weak on a certain spot? I just imagine your headset like cracking in two, you know? Oh, yeah, I just I print know. a new one. Like, oh, that's so funny. Well, that's probably what they do at Pimax, to be fair. <laughs> so I don't know. But anyway, there you go. That's the Pimax Crystal and the 12K QLED that's coming some point in the future or mm. distant future. Um, certainly before the Jetsons get here, I think. Uh, Adam, did you have <laughs> something to say about those headsets? Sorry, I thought you were trying to jump in there. Really? It was just, I'm no. more curious about the controllers. And I know there was like a thread on Twitter somewhere that I lost track of yeah. on like, is this something that like they either copied very lightly and can get away with it legally or is meta potentially licensing out their controller design so that it's a little easier for developers to not have to button map you know five different or however many out yeah. there different mm, mappings. Right. so that could be interesting i, I want to refine that thread and see if there were any answers in there because i'm like oh that would be interesting if they just started licensing out their controller design to different headset companies um yep so that would be cool that's all i had <laughs> and, and I think there is still, thank you. And, and, and that's a, that actually brings a really important point that I forgot to mention earlier is when you pay your 15 or 1600 for this headset, you still need to buy base stations, right? This isn't uh <laughs> it's not tracking itself. So it's not like, uh, that's not a fair price, I think, to be quoting. And we've seen this with Pimax before where they're like, they just tell you a piece of the puzzle, but nowhere on the product page <laughs> does it tell you that you need these other pieces. So you'll buy the headset right. and it'll come and you'll be like, what the hell? It I, doesn't say anywhere. I'm not supposed uh, to talk about this much but i do know some people that uh do xr analyst work and we have had conversations and the reason that pimax forces you to do that they they know that they should add these base stations to their headsets it's that they can't they don't have the allocated hardware in order to do that because valve yeah. is saying no and valve currently has one of the largest bulks of base stations they have a huge storage of base stations so take that as you will it's almost like they're waiting for something um yeah they're not letting anybody half -life three get confirmed. access there we go yeah yeah it's half-life yeah, yeah it's all half-life <laughs> we can help well i'll tell you I, what go on i no. gotta highlight this comment from a uh, crash organism Please. here he said uh Hey kids, happy Christmas. Here is your VR HMD. Here's a solar iron and a hot glue gun. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's going to come. Hey, that's what we had with Nintendo Labo, right? Think of how gleeful Nathy was back in the day with that thing. Build your own cardboard headset. So, yeah, put, you, um, put your head in a goose's head. Uh, what if you like accidentally yeah, wire like the, the battery? Ass, I think. Yeah. Put the battery cable incorrectly or something? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't want to trust people. Yeah. It would be the parents' headsets. assembly, right? That'd be like, oh God, here's oh. the gift that somebody else gives you and now the parents have to build it. Uh, 100%. Although I usually steal the Legos off my kids when we're building together. So that's my fault. Uh, anyway, on to, the, on to one of our first main topics. Okay. Uh, so Quest Pro. Um, Jose has, I'm sure like any techie, been immersing himself in this new piece of hardware and is going to tell us all about it. Jose. Oh boy. What are you, my friend? All right. So the Quest Pro, um, I think, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about this device. Um, I think the the biggest conversation that I feel like we as the as the podcast we can answer, which a lot mm. of people keep saying it over and over again, is what is this headset for? Who is it for? People are so confused. Is it for gamers? Is it for people that work? 
It's actually, the truth of the matter is, it's for neither of them. It's This is actually specifically for the creators. This is an over-engineered device. Um, when you look at it from a hardware perspective, mm. um, and you look at it also from a developer perspective, and you can see what you can do with this hardware, of course, all of the things that you're listing in your mind are not made right now. And that's the point, mm. right? They, this is in order to create all of the advancements that we saw rapidly happening for the Quest 1 and 2 to happening for the Pro, right? So starting with the controllers, a lot of people keep talking about why is this controller so wonderful? It's so It feels so well-engineered. It's because, yeah. quite frankly, it is over-engineered. This is a computational device. Believe it or not, this device can actually operate and run on its own without the Quest Pro. So think about all the use cases and products that you can do with a rewritable CPU. Right? What happens when you have mixed reality and you're looking at devices that the mixed reality headset saying, oh, that's your TV. And you just point at it and then you turn it on with the remote. Right. So that's going to require computation. That's that's what spatial computing is. A lot of people hear spatial computing and they imagine three monitors you know, outside your screen. It's much more than that. It's how do you get a blind person, somebody who doesn't care about visual fidelity, who doesn't care about haptics or they have those senses, but they can't see or they can't feel. Whatever the case is, how do you get those people interacting with digital mediums, right? That's what Web3 or, or spatial computing means. It's integrating all these devices, right? So what the Quest Pro is, it's an over-engineered device from a hardware perspective to answer all of these APIs that will be existing. It's what co-location, um, tracking the environment, devices that your headset now recognizes and you can point at. So there, all of those eventuals that will be happening within the next three years in computational uh, and software enhancements, this hardware can theoretically do it. The Quest... Uh, will will yeah, the headsets headset still be around then? Like, Because like, will the headsets still be around then? Like, you know, because on average, the, the lifespan that the that those Quest devices have had is like a yeah. year, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe two years. And then like, you know, even like they got rid of like all the headsets. So like... If We're we still need seeing to wait, hand tracking with the Quest One. We just got hand tracking like two months course, ago. Of course, but like, I, I can imagine if people make new applications in two, three years down the line, that we probably have a new Meta Quest Pro device as mm -hmm. well. So, what is the? Is there like a, a direct applicability then now for the headset? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So you just mentioned there will be a new Quest Pro, right? Um, eventually in two years, but you will still be able to develop everything that is eventually going to be done better on the new Quest Pro with this device. This is the dev And, and that's why you're saying that it's yes. for like a creators. Once again, Foundation. this is the folding, the folding keyboard of the 1990s. This is an over-engineered device. When the Quest 3 comes out, I have a really good feeling that 80% of all the over-engineering of this device won't come to the Quest 3, right? There's a lot yeah. of processing. There's a lot of CPUs. Going back to the connectivity of the controller, these are not using the same connectivity as the Quest 2 controller. This is actually using Wi-Fi Direct. This has a Wi-Fi chip wi in control. it. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually it's a Wi-Fi network. Yep. Right. Which is, yeah. I mentioned earlier, speed running. Um, a lot of people are not talking about low-level input on these controllers. So we're talking about the beginning of pressure sensing with, with devices. We're talking about controllers being able to do a lot more refined work because now you're doing software for the controllers independently of the headset. So you're going to see a lot of engineering being done 
on these devices independently. That's the beginning, once again, of spatial computing. So what is this device for? It's for creators, specifically for creators, not creators that make games, not creators that make software, but creators that are working in the next step. This is for the people that are working on VR desktop, people that are working on immersive. That's what YouTubers. I wish, no. I, wish, no. I wish it was Definitely for YouTubers. Not. That was the biggest mistake that Meta did was give these devices to influencers to get people to the creators, yeah. the people that actually will be using these headsets and will love it from an enthusiast perspective. But that's where the line ends. It's, I'm surprised yeah. someone like an Adam Savage or something didn't get targeted by Meta to pick up something like this. A proper someone who's, who's you know, a devout maker and and, and highlights people who who build. Um and, and one of the things I wanted just to cover is like a, a baseline, Jose, mm -hmm. um, in terms of your your receipt of, of the unit that you bought yes. and um, also how much time you spent in it. Can you just cover off some yeah, of the fundamentals so, there absolutely. so that people know where yeah. you're, you're talking from? First of all, I'm not endorsed by Meta. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I bought my headset cash. I, I bought it myself. Um, I've had it. I actually been using it exclusively except today where I'm actually using a desktop in order to to video call with you guys. But I actually... I've abandoned my ultroid wide monitor. Um, and I've been kind of focused on what it means to be a spatial VR or a spatial XR user full time, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of new conversations and new questions that are being raised in real time, right? Which is a abandoning or a hybridization of the controllers and hand tracking. Right now there's a sensitivity, a sensitivity gauge. But what happens when you are hand tracking and typing in real time and you accidentally press two keys on the keyboard and all of a sudden the headset things are initiating a trigger or an action, right? Also, how do oh, you... So, mm -hmm. Sorry, just to clarify. So, so it's, it's, it's tracking your hands out in front of you. Your yeah. hands are on the keyboard. Your fingers are too close. So it's, it's, it's assuming that you're trying to make a hand jet tracking gesture. Exactly. So it, it, it starts tricking okay. left and right. So there's a lot of, a lot of weird seamless integrations that a lot of software developers that me from a creative perspective, I'm like, oh, wow, these, all of these protocols, once again, look at the Pimax, right? Look at, think of it from a software perspective. All of these headsets currently, the XR2 based ones are running on Android. Think of all the features that are invisible that are running on Android that currently are not in VR. Copy and paste, um, seamless integration, drop off your headset, open up your browser somewhere else. Once again, these headsets are for those people, those developers, the ones that are thinking about how to make my life easier now that I have an over-engineered device that truth be told can replace a monitor. It's just, you cannot replace a monitor for very long bursts of time because the battery is not going to allow you to do it, but you can definitely replace a monitor with this device, especially if you were born in the nineties. I don't know if you guys ever use a CRT monitor. Yeah, it's, yes. It is not yes. a CRT monitor. It's better. So you can't degauss it. Oh man, I'm not. What <laughs> if we can't degauss it? Oh man, I I really I, the the best. I, I I a lot of people have been trying to find use cases to show the the Quest Pro to people. Um, Sega uh, Arcade Classics, which gives you the virtual space where you can actually play classic games, and you're like in the '90s room, and you can yep. see an uh, uh, old school CRT TV. That's the use case for the Quest Pro because it makes you realize that you have a bigger sense of immersion than on the Quest 2. And then you realize it's because you're looking at a screen in a virtual space that you can read. You can see pixels now in a very sharp way. You can read on its you know, power of the pancake lenses, but it's also yeah. the software 
capabilities because the over-engineering of the hardware, <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable. I've got a, a, a burning question in my mind. Yes. I just want to know. So you, you've used this thing for uh, multiple days. I know you were at four or five last count I saw yeah, on almost, Twitter. Yeah, almost two weeks now. So, so release, yeah. are you, so describe your working day a little bit uh, to me, just in terms of like you, you have the charger sitting on your desk, you pick up the headset. Like, can you just yeah, tell me so complete... how did the working day go and what stood out to you as like pain points and things that you didn't expect to be so good? Uh, seamless integration right now, right? So a lot of, uh, uh, these headsets are designed to eventually replace your computational laptop or device, right? Um, right now, you can't really do that. So what I decided to do was completely get rid of my desktop from my room environment. I put mm -hmm. my desktop in a closet. I put a display port emulator. Cold turkey. Cold, Cold turkey. turkey. You just yeah. shut it away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hid it away. I put a display port emulator. I have uh, automation scripts, which essentially Windows turns on, logs in, opens up pretty much every single agent available. <laughs> so VR streaming desktop, um, immersive, uh, Oculus, pretty much all of them running to ensure yep. that my headset can connect to them and... Got myself a very powerful uh, Bluetooth uh, antenna. Allowed my keyboard to and mouse to to communicate for wherever the device is, and use the headset day to day. So that is emails, operations, gaming. I've been doing a lot more gaming, ironically enough. Um, content create content. And what about the battery? Because we talked about that last time. Like, yeah. yeah. It all depends what kind of computer user you are, right? Um, to be honest yeah. with you, I never notice the battery issues unless you keep looking at the battery percentage. Um, I usually am a, I'm the type of computer user that plays a game for about two and a half hours and then takes off the headset, puts it on the charger, walks away, grabs a cup of water, has a few conversations, looks at his phone, puts it back on. The, the, the battery is enough charge. It gets you about another 30 to 40 minutes. So if you you know, you, you kind of start managing your time correctly and you just always remember to put on the dock, which is the best feature on the Quest Pro is the dock. It's the ability to always remember you got to put it on the dock. It's not a cable right. that you're going to connect to. It's just that, like, I, because if, if this would have to replace my full working desktop, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. I think the sessions that I would do, like, it would probably last for me up until noon. And then like it would yeah. maybe have like an hour of charge, but then I would have to like be able to do another four or five hours. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's currently that is not possible. It's right? not. So, uh, exactly. So, it, it, it's definitely right. not possible, but you know for sure based on what you just said, all of this can be solved from a incremental revision in the supply chain without disrupting the product itself. So you will be seeing those, the battery getting better, um, the dock itself, what happens when you add, you know, low level GPU access, USB-C port reading, a display port. And now this is just the laptop. And then the mm -hmm. Quest is just a device right. that you take but with you not, and remote not, into it. Right. But you're not, for example, using it with a battery pack or anything like that at the no, moment. Not at the no. moment. I, I purposely Are, am trying not to um, yeah. because I haven't. feel for it. I haven't had the feel for it yet. I haven't really felt like, oh man, I need to be inside this headset for, you know, until the battery dies. But, but it, I never have actually seen myself being in that headset for, for that long. You know, I, fatigue, I, I figured yeah, I fatigue, you're, you're, you're an operations guy, right? Like yeah. you're running a business. So you, you must be hopping out of that quite often. Lot, I would think a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the phone. So I haven't really seen a, a need to like, man, I have, I have to connect this and, and tether myself in, um, but, I got some yeah. silly questions for yes, you. All right. Let's, let's go Are you using 
a keyboard with kind of a mixed reality desktop experience more often than you're using the controllers when yes. you're doing your work? Yeah. Um, I wish immersive, um, immersive is a really good, each, all of these platforms that are trying to tackle spatial computing at the moment are yeah. all really good, but they also don't kind of get it right. It's all gimmick based right now. And that's the problem is that immersive is a really good virtual desktop manager. That's all it is. There's nothing mm really there that makes you go like, oh, this is this is the future of spatial, right? Because people think of collaboration, but that's not the collaboration that people will be doing in these headsets. Collaboration is going to be bursts of data sharing. It's going to be, hey, let's we're in the office. Here's all you need quickly. Nobody, nobody wants to be in a VR headset for very long. So answering all of these quick automation workflows is kind of where the development is needed right now. As I said earlier, copy and pasting, being able to share a quick document and then putting your headset on and just revising it with somebody in real time. That's what VR co you know, co-working is going to look like. It's not going to mm. be a bunch of people in a virtual space looking at, at avatars working. That's silly. That that's not it. And um, just, just while yeah. you're running here, I want, I want Rowdy to run a couple of things. If, uh, if you haven't already, cause I'm terrible for watching it back when you're putting this stuff live. Yeah. Um, there's, there's two quick things I wanted to run while, while you're talking, Jose, one was on, uh, foveated rendering, just showing off, uh, the, the actual dynamic effects yes. of, of how that functions. I was curious, are you getting, um, are you able to see, like we, you, we can see with fo fixed foveated rendering in like the go, for example, you could see the kind of lower fidelity edges when you're using it, because it's got eye tracking and all of this, a, is it, is it, is it operating in the desktop view or is it only operating is, is, is foveated rendering happening in a dynamic way with eye tracking? It's only in demanding applications. It, only in demanding applications. Um, okay. You, you definitely, you definitely can, can kind of see the jaggedness and you can kind of see the software kind of overcompensating um, the foveated rendering um, in real time, depending on what you're doing. To be honest, only if these are these are things that us Gurks <laughs> look for um, in, in these headsets. But when you're looking at them from, I'm going to uh, you know use this headset. I'm going to dive in and really yeah. see myself. Oh, this is the only choice I have. Um, I don't see these issues. You don't really I, you don't really I'll, encounter, especially when you're playing 2D games or or you're yeah. or you're experiencing you know immersion from a 3D perspective, right? That you're shutting off the world. Um, that's where foveated rendering does its best because it's really focusing on what you're looking at. The, the canted lenses. So the fact that the lenses are, are tilted, tilted yeah. uh, results in a kind of aliasing that isn't seen in quest two. So although you've got the clarity of, of, of the, um, pancake lenses in contrast, uh, in stark contrast, I would say from what I've, from what I've seen on reviews, um, do you notice that? Is that a problem for you? Because I, I'm yes. a guy who I care about aliasing. Yeah. And See, is it no, how discernible is that? How noticeable is it? In it's your, noticeable, your but you abandon it quickly unless okay. you're going to be using the Quest 2 a lot, which is a very weird... Quest Pro? Yeah, Quest 2. If you go from the Quest oh. Pro to the Quest 2 and you're going to be using it a lot, those anti-aliasing, um, the, uh -huh. the differences in color matching, that's when you start noticing those small intricacies. But those okay. small intricacies are kind of overcompensated for with weird, once again, like just the 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 lens angle, you don't, you lose kind of the, the high um, sense of uh, seeing the edges, but you also feel like the rendering 
area of the edges of the screen are much sharper, which is very weird to, to say in theory, but you can huh. see rendering happening at the corners of your eyes, right? Yeah, Where yeah. you never experienced that, right? Where So now when you're playing a game, you know, like uh, Pavlov, you actually can not, you don't see like a weird blur coming by your side. You actually see a sharp image kind of pop, popping in by your side. Gives you, those are the little intricacies that you're like, oh, I get it now. I, I get why it's important to just add more rendering space to the areas of the screen that you never think about. Um, right. So there's, there's little things like that. You don't know that, but it's very difficult to engage in these conversations because even foveated <laughs> rendering is going to get better, right? That it's all based on the way that your eyes are being tracked and kind of optimizing for where you're viewing. Um, I'll tell you, this is a very good example. When I bought the Quest Pro on Tuesday morning, I did the, the eye tracking setup. There was a big update later in that evening and it reset itself and I had to do the, the, the re-tutorial. And I noticed that the eye tracking uh, demo was faster the second time. I don't know if I put the headset better the second time, I, you know, placebo effect, but there's little intricacies like that that kind of made me hold off in really giving an opinion about the benefits <laughs> yeah. of the software. So I'm really focusing That's on the hardware here. <laughs> It's, the thing is, it's really difficult with a meta product because mm -hmm. I, I still think to this day, and I know last time we talked a lot about meta and Microsoft and how they're kind of quite similar companies to an extent, they're very strong on software and, and, the, and the patches and the updates that they come uh, with on a, on a very regular basis adds so much value uh, to the offering that even three months from now, I bet you the Quest Pro is going to feel quite different. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, maybe while Rowdy can 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 run a feature which is which is a scr scratch away app which shows yeah, a just, rendered just, world. Yeah, I just showed it as that? well. Yeah, so, yeah. So, cool. so basically, just for our audio listeners, yes. you're you're able to in mixed reality, uh, a developer put together an app where they're, you're looking at basically a um, a, vert, a VR room, mm -hmm. but then you're able to use hand tracking to wipe away like you would a I don't know a fogged glass pain or something and you'll be able to scratch away or, or wipe away the scene to reveal pass through what it looks like behind and it, it's just an incredible so kind of cool. feature that gripped yeah. me do you have uh um jose something that's specifically gripped you like um maybe similar to that or just something you're using day to day it could be simple yeah, or whatever but like what stands uh, out to you virtual desktop just virtual desktop um mm. funny enough it's well. just I, I know it sounds weird to say that but it, it's for the first time I'm really thinking about replacing a monitor. It's it's the beginnings of like, man, like I really can survive in a VR headset now. Mm. It's those mm -hmm. conversations um, that I'm mostly focused about is figuring out how to bring in outside keyboards, like how to bring right. in tracking APIs. There's so many yeah. conversations that I, it, it's so exciting to see the beginnings of just a new user interface and what it means, right? And you mean, just to be clear, because annoyingly Oculus in the day called their virtual desktop virtual desktop. You mean Guy Godin's virtual Godin. desktop? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's VR, desktop. That's VR desktop. That's, that's, yeah. that's VR desktop to me. There's nothing else. <laughs> exactly. That's VR. Just We're wanted talking, the level. Yes, yeah, no, it, um, maybe, VR desktop. Maybe, uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe we should like first off oh, before like because uh, I, I wanted to move to chat, but maybe like ask Adam as well if she has like any mm -hmm. specific questions. Yeah. Maybe still for for Jose, and then I'll maybe uh, 
pass it over to Chad, give them yes. the chance a little bit to maybe ask some specific questions. I mean, uh, at least Adam? for me, not too specifically. I was mostly interested if uh, in comparisons between like Pico 4 and, you know, the Quest Pro Passer. Because I actually did, because there's a lot of, you know, VR nerds here. So I did get to try uh, the Pico 4's Passer while I was here. And then I got to flag someone down because there's a ton of people here who have Quest Pro now because, you know, nerd Gurks, I guess. Gurks. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm just interested on if, if you've tried, I think you have, right? Have you tried the Pico 4 pass through yes. and then comparison in that between the Qu- uh, Quest Pro having a little bit more depth to it? I, I would say this, the, the, the Quest Pro has more depth. So the colors look a lot nicer because of the depth perception. So you can kind of see the edges of, of, uh, items in the virtual space. Um, it, the quality is about the same, really, uh, when you're, when you're looking at it from a, from a. Just a visual perspective. I know that the recording allows you to get full color pass through and it adds that um, in post. Um, I'm not a fan of mixed reality at the moment. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of pass through. Mm. Um, I think it's useless. I don't think that adding multiple screens in pass through will be something that people will be doing. Um, maybe augmented reality, lightweight he- headsets will add all that. But that's not, once again, what spatial is all about. Um, when it comes to a content creation perspective, it's amazing, right? But it's all, all that can be done in post. So you could theoretically just record yourself in VR and then just put, I want this to be adapted with also pass-through mode. And then you get mm-hmm. the same exact video. So the workflows for content creation are going to get much better. Um, I, yeah, it, it's really I, weird. I got to give you props there, Jose, uh, for for that comment. I mean, I, you, you garner some respect for me because I've felt that, particularly in the in quest one and two before we got colored you know pass through it's been almost useless mm-hmm. it's a th- it's a thing that people are tinkering with um but i'm glad you you say it so bluntly i i agree it, it's it's just for now yeah it's for, for now, now right <laughs> because eventually you will be able to interact and that's and that's what's happening right now right that's what mixed reality almost became now which is you can see yourself in the virtual space and vice versa but no that's not what mixed reality is mixed reality is interacting with the physical items from the virtual world and vice versa it's once again it's turning on your tv with pass-through mode on and you just turn on the tv or turn it off um turning off your ac you know little things like that your cat walks around you it's telling you hey be careful your cat is near you um, all of that will, and all of those APIs, all of these hardware, Z-Wave, home automation, your phone, even does your phone right now, right? Your phone, all of that has to integrate in a very seamless way. Apple does it very well, right? They they have their ecosystem where I, I literally have been to to Apple houses, as people call them, that they have all Apple devices. And if you call them, literally every single device, their lights, their bathroom lights, oh their God. speakers... It's it's like it's it, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> you you you've painted a picture here that's gotten me quite excited because mm-hmm. I think of a world where anyone who uses Google accounts and you've got you know they they started to rem- or or any password manager or something it like lets you the keys of the kingdom so you're in the same house and you log into something on your phone you try to log in on your desktop five six years ago it was a real pain in the rear because okay re-enter my credentials or whatever. They they kind of have a I'll call it like a cookie esque follower that that carries you through now. Doing that in your home environment where you've almost got, it'll feel like God powers when we get to the point where your headset, right? You're wearing it. It's light. It's, it's capable. 
as you're walking around your place can interact, even if it's indirectly, it knows the path of how to use the backbone of the internet to get to your fridge, to turn off the lights, or to know that you're going to sit down and watch some TV so it colors the scene. All that interactive interactive stuff I hadn't really considered before you started talking about how capable the controller is and the kind of universe that we're going to live in in a number of years. Uh, so thank you for exciting me, uh, Jose, on that in particular. Maybe we should give some open chance here for chat, like Rowdy, you were saying, if there's any questions. Yeah, yeah like Jose. I spotted one question from, oh, go ahead, Adam, you there first. There was one um, earlier, uh, kind of way earlier, apologize, um, but... And I actually wanted to know this as well. And um, you may have posted this on Twitter at some point. And I may have missed it. But do you actually have a like a like a screenshot or a video of what your setup, your your workspace setup looks like uh, somewhere? Yeah, so you could see out of curiosity. I actually it's it is actually and I, I, I hate I swear I'm not plugging it, but it is on my Twitter. Um, yeah, I will reshare it after the, the episode, but yes. Um, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look yeah. it up for you. I'm curious too. But I yeah, like, that's yeah, I it. saw it. It was really sleek, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love he just basically puts the Quest 2 down and it's like a table, or sorry, the <sighs> Quest Pro, and it's like keyboard. And I was like, that's exactly what we, we want it to be, Jose. Like you're painting the dream of what it should be used for, that use case. Um, but I like how you've you've kind of mm -hmm. pointed it to people who who make and build stuff. And to now, be so. fair, like I saw, you know, right now I'm using, as I told you, I'm using um, a Bluetooth relay for my keyboard yeah. and mouse. But I actually saw a, a different pic. I will share that one too. But I don't remember what it was, and I apologize. But it was on Twitter, and you know, a, a content creator took that uh, concept and really went above. So they had like the little Logitech keyboard, and it just looks beautiful. So I'll reshare that one too. I was like, man, that's. Mm. That's uh, that's exactly what we're heading towards, and and that's the problem is that when you when we when we think of uh, spatial, we think about these enhancements for the future. We we always think of them from such a small visual perspective. It's like man, like think of all think of your Apple Watch, right? Think of your iPhone. What you can do with these devices now. Imagine what the controllers can detect your heart rate, or can detect a wall, or it can run outside of the headset, so you can literally. Re they'll be releasing TVs that says, oh, compatible with the Quest Pro controller. You know what I mean? Just weird. See, that's where yeah. I think it won't. I think it's going to be more of an if this, then that type universe, mm -hmm. IFTTT, because I think it, we're going to get to the age, like you're painting it as Web 3.0. And I, I really mm -hmm. do think there'll be the capability to go ahead and kind of punch through that, that backbone to the device, even if it has nothing to do with meta at all. 100%. I think those smarts are coming, right? And you were talking about this a little bit earlier about kind of where AI is folding into some of these technologies. Um, and it's kind of the assisting hand, yep. right? So it'll assist your hand to do what you want to do without you caring about what the middle layer. The right? future and of artificial intelligence is accessibility. Um, and a lot of people are going to start realizing that thanks to VR and, and all the advances in XR. It's how do you detect how to make somebody's life easier by automating all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, yeah. And there's going to be companies that will win this. Um, Apple, once again, does it better than anyone. So what happens when you just close your laptop, put on the headset and your workflow continues and or you and all of a sudden you don't have to do any, any tweaks, nothing. It just iPhone screen right here. Your laptop screen is here. Your iPad screen down here and your MacBook and then your cinema, you know, yeah. and, and every person in your house, when they put on the headset, if they're in your family, they pop up in a bubble. No changing of software. And, and that's what's happening. It's all all of that is. is the walled garden. That's why companies like Meta are over-engineering their hardware 
Um, that's why they're working with a software company that does software better than anyone like Microsoft, because Meta's now realizing, oh, wait, the future, or rather in order for you to control the most access in the future, it has mm-hmm. to be through hardware. You just send it yourself through. You don't need Meta to point at the TV and turn it on with the controller. Yeah. So Meta knows like, oh man, we might as well own 90% of the hardware ecosystems then to ensure that you do hmm. use a meta headset or device. Yeah. Maybe uh, forward me the, the the picture of the video that you have because Absolutely. I'm going through your feet, but uh, there's I quite a bit a lot. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's Twitter my soapbox, man. Yeah, totally <laughs> it was, like, yeah. it was like a week ago, yeah. Jose the VR tech, but yeah, no. Um, uh, exactly. No, well, well, Twitter's still there. Check him out. Yeah. <laughs> but one question that I saw pop up was from um, uh, D1360 VR, and that was about the, uh, like, basically the lack of a depth sensor and, like, your opinion on that it's not necessary yet um we that's um we're going back to to uh pass through the pass through is not effective for us to really require a depth sensor that's going to be abused more than useful at the moment i'm sure you guys saw there was a lot of rumors and speculations why the depth sensor was removed one one of them was that the ability to see through clothes that's actually one of the reasons why depth sensors are not used a lot in mobile devices especially in asia um, so that, that is a real thing. So that's why we're now starting to look at alternatives for tracking, right? Cameras are going to become the future more than likely of how we're going to determine death at the moment. So mm. I don't really see, um, a argument of why it's lacking at the moment when pass through gets to the point where we want it to be, then death sense sensing should be important and we can yeah. make those arguments, but not yet, because, yeah, <laughs> did you, it's did you, just silly arguments to have at the moment, in my opinion. Roddy, did you run the iFixit uh, strip-down video yet? Because if no, not, I haven't done show that. it off. Um, because the the X-ray kind of pass-through showing the Quest Pro's makeup, it looks almost as complicated as one of those X-rays you get of uh, someone who's been in like a, a bad car accident and they're having their skull <laughs> like pieced back together and they've got 600 plates in there. Uh, it's very similar to that. And I found it quite captivating for those who are really tech geeks. Or I guess we've got our coined term now. <laughs> the Gurks. <laughs> the um, you know, if you're a Gurk, then check out the iFixit video because they go through like a three hour uh, process of stripping this thing down. They show where the depth sensor was, um, but it's, it's really interesting to see how, um, I think, you know, h- how the thing comes apart, right? Because it also informs you how it went together. Like the back battery, for example, being literally bent. I didn't know that the thing had a curved battery at the back of the head. I mean, I guess you could look at the headset and just, you know, <laughs> be, that's obvious, right? But it hadn't occurred to me that it was a, a bent um, battery cell yeah. or a series of cells, which is really interesting battery design. I'd love to hear more from Meta actually about that, yeah. achieving that. Um, but also it looks, uh, that looks easily replaceable or easily replaceable with air, air quotes. Uh, but I just thought it was really neat to see all of the work that went into it. And I did see a, co- a couple of comments where people were talking about, you know, isn't it weird that they pulled this feature at the last minute and was that part of the price and all these different kind of musing questions after this, uh, I fix it breakdown. Um, it's pretty common place for electronics design to be right up until the very end. I mean, they have to put it through certain tests and things, but when it comes to components varying in cost and availability, them yanking one, you know, at last minute 
isn't that exciting? Um, I think what Jose is saying is, is spot on in that them pulling it doesn't impact the product. And even if it was there in the original price, um, it, it, it does what it's designed to do. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It actually legitimately right does more harm than good because we we are now reaching. The, well, you haven't seen anyone complain about the Quest Pro controllers. In fact, everybody loves them. And yeah, the reason for that is, is that we have figured out that there are alternatives for detecting and tracking information and a depth sensor at the moment yes provides the best uh, with the current technology it's yeah. providing the the best depth sensing but where there's data that proves okay wait a minute but maybe these cameras that we're working with already can do just as good as a use case and if we do in the future require depth sensors the code work is already done the understanding of how the implementing is done we we know what's required in order to make this device use this properly where now the damage is going to still be there that's not seeing through clothes is never going to go away if they use these cameras but thank god they no. will <laughs> but it will get better in 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 the use cases will you know yeah, yeah sure i can see through clothes but now because you know it's 2027 20, and now all the you know Hot and you know, once again, everything evolves. So smart products are a thing. So eventually, Gap and all these mainstream clothing companies will release nylon or clothing that you won't be able to see through it. That's uh, that's you uh, know, that's that's what the future is all about, right? It's answering the new questions. So does the depth sensor? <laughs> hurt the product at all no it really didn't no, the, i think so last question i'm gonna sneak in here before we move on but with the controllers themselves because i've heard of a couple of interesting things i've heard that they take a bit of time like 10 seconds or something to sync with the headset on boot up and i also heard someone mentioning today of them uh, overheating the controllers themselves getting to a point of overheating where it shut itself off, kind of like the Go used. The Go used to do this all the time. I know I've said Go a lot this episode, but hey, it just happened to be that way. Um, has that happened to you? Are oh, they warm in hand? Yeah. It's a it's an over engineered device. It's not meant to be pushed beyond the limits of three hours per session. Um, have I reached? Have I noticed? Not the headset, the, yeah, the controller. That's what I'm saying. But it's it's so, it's yeah. the entire experience because at the moment you can't use these controllers with the Quest Two. So did they did they say this right. will be compatible? Yes, but we haven't seen a real case study of this being used for longer than three hours and it being done with the drivers that are intentional for that to happen. Um, because at the it's moment- It's just interesting because like the thermals on the headset itself, it's mm -hmm. got two fans and yeah. exit paths. The controllers themselves, as far as I saw on the strip down, there's no fans in them. So I'm, I'm curious- the hot heat is the wrong, yeah, hot's the wrong word. Warm, a, a, a light, annoying warmth warm. is, is, is the right word to use. You know what oh, I mean? Right. Like if you, you, a phone gets hotter than this. <laughs> Any mobile device will be hotter than this. Um, a lot of people, I've seen some of those, th those tweets. Uh, I, I personally, uh, no offense to the people that have been saying it, but I do feel like it was just for engaging conversation. Um, I don't think it's going to be a use case where people are going to be like, oh, no, these, no, I, I think it may be more than likely um, realistic, re realism, real, uh, being realistic with software, more than likely maybe a driver stay on or a depth sensor stay triggered on for longer than it should. Yeah. 
You it happened to yeah. Nathie a while. Wasn't it his uh, his quest? I don't remember if it was one or two. Um, got like, or maybe it was it was the go. It was over. It was like stuck in a loop where it was just generating heat mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it got like raging hot. And I remember he exchanged with Carmack, and we ended up fighting a bug in there that was causing like a thermal dump. Um, yeah. So more than so likely, it's just that's early what's days. It's early days. Exactly. It's just. But, um, um, it's would, interesting to hear these cases. So yeah. I was curious if in use of the controllers for you, mm-hmm. I mean, are you in love with them as much as I, the internet seems I, to be? I love them. I, I think these, these make the, the index knuckles <laughs> around for the money. Um, it, it just feels very reliable, right? It, it's, it's all ergonomics. Once again, that's why I'm a big fan of devices that are kind of attacking one instead of trying to tackle everything, this is not a controller that you're meant to like hover over your hand and let go of or else it's going to fall, right? So <laughs> it, it, there's like a secure grip for it that you're using it for mm. intent, as weird as that sounds. And that's what work is for, right? So you're working with these devices that's meant to feel as an attachment. You're, you're, you're made... That's the best answer. There you go. I Good for the, winter. Yeah. Th- Someone th- th- just yeah, said exactly. they double yeah. as hand warmers, you know? <laughs> hand so, warmers, hey. yeah. <laughs> But um, I haven't experienced those those weird uh, issues. As my, hopefully not, right? Let me. I don't want to say like, yo, like my controller blew up in my hand. Well, <laughs> I'm interested for everybody who's out there, you know, who's got pros in their own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have weird things that just happened to you, yeah. uh, I'd be curious to hear those in chat, uh, in comments after you know we close the cast and all that. Yeah, just to kind of get a flavor for what people are feeling. But um, so far it's kind of surprising to me. I thought the headset would outweigh the the popularity vote, but it seems like the controllers by and far have taken yeah. it. You know, they're like, and it's how well the they integrate, that integrate, right? And, and real quick, adding to the first question you asked about the controllers, right? So the controllers do the controllers do have a small hiccup. You do feel it when you turn on the headset. They're tracking immediately, which is very weird. You can, I don't. It reminds me of uh, early the the Vive ones where they're tracking in a certain space and it just tracks back yeah. into your hand. That's what happens. And it's not 10 okay. seconds. It's about two to three. Um, it's more like the controller's tracking, but it's adjusting itself to where it is in the space. So it kind of, okay. you kind of see it flying off your hand and then within two seconds. Drift. It, yeah, it just drifts yeah. right back into your hand. It locks better. It only happens when you turn on the headset. And that only happens because it's turning on a Wi-Fi chip. It's not the- Bluetooth. It's not. Yeah. And that's interesting because it'll feel different because it's a different it's a different technology. Um, we're gonna have to move on. Yeah, from let's get back. <laughs> Thank you so much. We've obviously we want to um, take your feedback as a daily user, you know, going into the future. But Jose, thanks for giving us the kind of initial take after your uh, week plus uh, with the headset. That's uh, been really interesting. So, totally. gonna move on to uh, maybe a competitor to some extent. I, I, it's probably not on the same table, uh, but for some people, it will compete for their wallet, uh, and that's why I mentioned competitor. So, uh, PSVR two, Sony. PlayStation's blog recently unveiled the launch for PSVR 2, which, um, man, that's, that that made my November straight away, I got to say. So $549, uh, 530 pounds, 600 euro. I really feel bad. The Europeans are not having a good year. Um, <laughs> the date it's dropping is February 22nd, 2023. That's why I introduced talking about, you know, about Valentine's Day, because, man, I know who I'm going on a date with, and that's my PSVR show. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Um, 
Uh, so there's a Horizon Call of the Mountain experience bundle, $600, so it's just 50 more, and same for the others. So 570 pounds, uh, 650 euro. Uh, you get the headset, controllers, some, I'll call them janky headphones, and a game, right? Audiophiles aren't going to probably be singing home about those. Um, <laughs> and... And there is also available, which I hadn't seen before, but now we were talking about the advent of charging stations and that, and that was definitely needed back in the day of the Move controllers. There's a dedicated VR charging plate for the PSVR controllers, which are kind of interesting. They've got like almost an orb type shape. So the uh, the plate itself has a really neat like uh, crescent moon pattern to it. And that's going to set you back $50, 40 pounds or 50 euro. Uh, Pre-orders will be open on their site in the US, UK, France, France, Germany. I'm going to say Germany again because, sorry, Meta, <laughs> Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Uh, and in other markets, it'll be sold at participating retailers. Okay, they're expecting 20 plus titles at launch. We know of around about 50 titles aimed for and coming to PlayStation VR 2 next year. Um, one thing I will mention is that registration open for pre-orders on the 2nd of November. Um, the actual pre-order itself will be available on November 15th. So if you want a to get the golden ticket to be able to pre-order, go over um, and check out the PlayStation blog for a link to the registration place that you can go. I'll be honest, I tried, I tried, 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 and I'm personally stuck. This is probably something that's just specific to me. I have two accounts. Both of them, unfortunately, are glued to the UK. And um, everyone on Reddit and forums say, oh, they don't allow you to change regions. So you need to go and create a new account. But both of the email addresses I use on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> oh, no, are linked man. to the UK and unable to be set. I queued up with, for support, sat there for 50 minutes. Wow. Then Sony's like, hi, my name is Dave. It wasn't Dave, but let's just say, well, I'm going to blame Dave because he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, hey, what's up? I just need to change my country. But before I could press enter, the guy drops off saying he can't support the UK. And I'm like, wow. oh, I don't know what I'm going to do Make now. Email, so I have to I wrangle my wife. I have to just get my wife to do it. So she'll own the PS5. <laughs> oh, we'll we'll, we'll pre-order oh, no. it that way. <laughs> do, remember, do remember, this, this, uh, this hardware, right, is not backwards compatible. So you're pressing a reset button on your library. So uh, you love those PSVR one days. Absolutely loved them but they're gone, right? And so unless a developer has specifically created, recreated to some extent or updated their uh, their game for PSVR 2, um, it's not coming across. The only game, in fact, that I know that you wouldn't have to repurchase in that case is Pistol Whip, uh, which uh, Denny Unger mentioned is going to be free for PSVR 1 owners. So that's a oh. pretty cool thing and a smart way to get them, you know, as a, like a fish hook onto people's systems. Uh, so you've got something for, for day one to play with, even if you don't have money after having paid for the console. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to just talk about some of the games as well, but let's just first focus on the release of the news, the way that that came down, the price, how you can get to it, how you can pre-register, are you ordering one, all of that, F-Reality crew, go ahead. Uh, what Are you excited about PSVR 2 finally having a release date? Uh, yes, and actually being completely honest, um, I'm definitely getting this one because I never owned um, the PSVR original because I had like my Vive and I had my Index um, and the game, the exclusives on there didn't really uh, captivate me enough to make me feel like I should shell out more money for it. And then by the time I thought maybe is like, ah, the PSVR 2 is probably on its way. So this is going to be my first yeah. uh, dive into console VR, which will be interesting. So I'm, I'm going to get this one. And there are the exclusives oh, awesome. I'm, I'm more excited about. So that'd be fun. Oh, 
I'm excited for you. Have you already got a PS5 yes. in the house? Yes. It took a while and a lot of, uh, you know, weird mailing lists, <laughs> but I did eventually, we were able to, uh, got one eventually. Lucky last. Good. Yeah, I'm starting from scratch myself. Rowdy, what about you? How are you feeling I don't, I don't about think so. Mainly PSVR because 2? I don't have the PS5. I think that's like, for me, yeah. like the thing, like, uh, and like, even though the, the titles look nice, there is nothing there that really like, I mean, I have to see it first. Like, I'm I'm a seer, then I'll believe it. You know, like uh, if it's if it's really that good that I can't miss out, then I'll probably make some efforts. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna already you know jump the gun right now. No. All right, I'm gonna try and sell you on that in just a minute. But uh, Jose, what about you? Um, I'm excited. I I love I love Sony. I love PlayStation. I <laughs> I think they're gonna have the best um gaming VR focused device um currently announced um at Quest Three expected um i still say that um it's because once again they they have the history they've earned the the right for me to say something like that right they they've never straight wrong for me i've i know some of the developers uh uh some i some really cool tweets have been kind of under the radar some some uh sony uh engineers on twitter um have been kind of like very hyped about it kind of seeing like the quest pro release and you know Talk between the lines are like, hey, we got something better for games. And so I'm excited. I, I, I love what the PS5 has done for games. I don't know if you've used the the, the, the Sense controller, the, the PS5 controller. Um is insane. Um it's nice. so just it, just thinking about what they're gonna do with that into VR is just has me just it just gives me chills. That's a very interesting point. Not to drag us back to mm-hmm. Quest Pro, but yeah. uh there were comparisons <laughs> between the Sense controller and the Quest Pro with its new three haptic motors per controller how comparable are they yes um the the i i would say the depth of the vibrations of the of the of the triggers feel a lot like them it reminds me um i, I saw a thrill uh thrill seeker review and he called it the he called the controllers the the elite controller of vr um so it, it does so if if sony's kind of going after that similar you know uh benchmark I, i'm yeah. even more excited Okay. And, um, and then, so in terms of this one, I, I think the price is right, is my personal opinion. I never expected it to be, you know, $400 or something like that, just to use the American currency for the moment as our benchmark. I, because in the first round, you bought the headset and separately you track down move controllers, aim controller, other peripherals, right? Um, but in this case, you're getting everything in the box, so to speak, right. right? You get the headset, you get the controllers, you're not getting the charging pad, that's separate. Um, but I think that it is very telling when I said rowdy to you that I was going to try to sell you on the headset. I will say this. Okay. Having spent a good hour with Mike, uh, just a week or two ago, um, he said PSVR two has ruined VR for him, uh, personally. And for example, call of the mountain is a title that he is incredibly hyped for to the same level of hype that he has with. Half-Life Alex when it launched and he first got to play that. So I, he, he didn't ask me to, but he said I could reiterate the amount of hype that he had had uh, for this system, for this platform. And he strongly recommended that I get on it, on that train, on that bandwagon. Um, and I do but plan that's still, to. That's, that's one game. Like, that's still, that's one. I want to see. I, I hear you. And I, I know PlayStation has a great track record with like, you know, bring solo titles out regularly. But like, yeah. I don't know. Like I'm, and I'm a very skeptical. Good point. So let's I'm talk games. Because, let's talk games for a minute. Yeah. Let's Unless that. you have more to say, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, like the thing that just like still like 
kind of upsets me, not, not really upsets me, like, but leaves me questioning is like the entire concept of hybrid VR that they're pushing. And I still don't really know what that means. Like yeah. if, if this means like a bit like watered down VR experiences, then I'm out. And that's, that's yeah. it for me. That you want I'm full, not doing yeah, that. I want the full on. What's a full and it needs on? to be high level. So, for example, what we saw a lot of the dabbling in PSVR one days, right? Where you had, mm. a, you had a console game and then it had a VR segment. Or you had a console game that had been upscaled to VR, but it wasn't really the full deal. Take Doom mm. VFR as an example. Not really worked. Didn't work very well with the controllers. Um, was really only a shade of the original Doom game, you know, in terms mm. of the length of the experience. So, I don't know. Hi hybrid could do... Could be the the well poisoner from uh, to to borrow an old an old term and bring it back to 2022. Um, let let's look at some of the games that were announced as well alongside this release. It was about a week before the price of this came out. So the first one, and this is actually I'm going to echo concerns that I have uh, for this as well because I do see a lot of I'll call them re-releases or an old trick that we've seen done before. First game up is the Dark Pictures Switchback VR, which is coming as a spiritual sequel to Reign of Blood, which was a VR coaster for the first one. You're kind of sat in a seat, you're shooting objects. It's a horror thriller type game as well at the same time. I quite enjoyed it and had a lot of fun. I think it was like seven or eight hours I got maybe out of that game. Um, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought for a rail on rails coaster shooter. Um, so this game is pulling similar punches, higher fidelity, you know, haptic feedback, but at its core, that's the game. It's a kind of similar game, right? So it's not a brand new IP. I don't think it excites me. I don't think it'll necessarily excite Rowdy, right? Or someone else who's played um, Rush of Blood back in the day. And then you move on once. to yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's a good it's a good carnival ride, but it's like once you've done that ride, yeah, it's like what you what show like. people the first time they put a headset on. Absolutely, yeah, and, and it'll be a great thing in a GameStop shop somewhere. Someone plays that they'll probably end up buying the console. Yeah, you know what I mean? Agreed. Like that's, it's yeah. great for that kind of demo. Uh, I'm also glad to have coasters back because I, I think they've been missing for a couple <laughs> of years. I welcome them because I think VR newbies deserve coasters. I enjoyed it. Um, next up is Crossfire Sierra Squad, which is battle-based combat. It looks like, on, honestly to me, it looks like a generic VR shooter experience combat thing. It doesn't look like it's got the same story depth as something like Blood and Truth. And I'd love to see blood and another blood and truth come with that depth of story. But I believe SIE, uh, Sony's interactive entertainment studio had confirmed or at least hinted the fact that they weren't making another one, uh, which I was sad about because I really liked the first one. But if you're in for a game and you really are into shooters and shooters is all you breathe, that's your bread and butter. then this is another one. Um, and it looks capable. It doesn't look like half-baked or anything. It just, it looks like a capable shooter. Um, I would love to see something... Again, a little bit more like what we're getting with Firewall Ultra, which is, again, Firewall Ultra is another re-release, right? It's coming with the new features, and um, it is the same core game. I've played that game before. I haven't played it untethered. I haven't played it, you know, not with a, a front-facing camera. So I am very excited for Firewall Ultra because I love that game, and I wish I, like, after the fall, I wish I could have put more hours into it, and that's coming. Uh, another one that's, that's interesting, I never thought this was going to make the leap to VR, but there is a stealth horror a break-in simulator to some extent called Hello Neighbor. So Hello Neighbor VR, which I believe is coming not exclusively to PlayStation. I think that's also coming to Steam, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hello Neighbor is going to be really interesting. It's it's basically break into this dude's house. You're playing as 
as I think a troubling kid or, or, or teen or something. You've got your treehouse and you're trying to break in and do something and get out. Um, I've never played the original game, but um, in VR, this is going to be getting chased down, hunted in VR is another feeling that like it, <laughs> whether or not you care for horror games, a feeling of being hunted and chased or whatever when you're struggling with a lock or whatever it is to try to get out, man. That 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 it makes you feel that Neanderthal side of you where you're like scared for your life, no matter if it's just a simple kid looking game. Um, so this one I'm really kind of excited for. There's a few others that are coming. I mentioned Pistol Whip. Um, the Light Brigade is a, a moody single player roguelite game. And um, and then again, Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is broad and has enormous scale. And I think if if you enjoyed the climb or you enjoyed uh, Senua's Sacrifice, you know, games like that. I think you really get it with Call of the Mountain. And I'm not surprised that Sony's bundling it because, man, it's colorful and it's vibrant and you really have a hero that you can embody. So it's their Half-Life Alex. And hey, if Half-Life Alex comes to the console tool, then 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 fantastic. Right. Hmm. Get a whole smorgasbord of stuff. But again, for people like Rowdy and I, right, like we've uh, done it before. Right. So I am scraping through the list. There's a there's a list of about 50 games on Reddit. You can check. I didn't want to rattle them off all here, uh, but go check that out. There's a bunch of things coming that are that are equally as exciting and things that might catch your eye. Um, but like Rowdy, I'll be looking for the new experiences right on this one. I do want to get it. If, if, if Sony will bloody let me register, <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. if, if I could find myself a PS five and I'm hearing, you know, rumors of a PS five pro that might be coming. So part of me is like, I kind of want to wait for the hardware revision, but I don't want to wait for the pre-order. So it's very likely that old Zim is going to be here with a box coming to his house when he doesn't have a PS5 and he just has that. <laughs> That's going to be a it terrible cool, future guys. for me. <laughs> oh, man. I really hope that doesn't happen, but it might. And I'm warning so you now. So worth it. So. That's awesome. Anyway, so that's us. Anything particularly fun in chat? Otherwise, I'm going to move on and we're going to get I think we. Uh, I think we can move on. Yeah? Uh, yeah, good. I, I haven't spotted anything. Yeah. Okay, cool, up. cool. Um, <laughs> thank god right i know it's running late late again this 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 time i knew it would go long um all right so all this hardware news probably has you chomping at the bit looking for games to dig into right while you're waiting and just wanting to get into these new experiences oh, yeah. well there's a busy month of drops ahead so jose is going to give us the skinny on oh what you can boy. expect in the weeks ahead what have we got jose oh right man away. so we finally have uh, it's going to be, it looks like December is going to be one of the, the busier months for VR. Um, mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to list um, the, the three, the four bigger ones that are kind of coming out within the next week before the next podcast. So starting with yeah. Among Us VR, which kind of been mentioned last podcast also, yep. but it's finally is going to be out. I believe it's on the 10th. Uh, it'll be $10 uh, US. That's about $9 for pounds for Europe Europeans. Um that's the next up we have aspire 2 uh which is a game i'm very very excited for um oh, yeah releases on november 17th on the quest platform uh it's a co-op uh first person shooter uh i like to compare that to metal gear uh splinter cell kind of same energy oh, sorry to interrupt you it's yeah. it's cooperative yeah. it's cooperative yes it's almost yes. like um, oh, that's 
That's cool. That's different. Portal, yeah. A portal has mm. like your one tall robot and your one short robot. So the tall one will be able to do yes. certain things that the short one can't, and the short one like can go invents and stuff. So yeah, it, I got to wow, try it. That's pack, awesome. Really, and they're here at New uh, New Reality as well. Again, so it's good to see them. Oh, but yeah, I'm really awesome. excited wait, wait, wait. for this game. It's pretty good. How is, is it? Is one a robot, or are we just talking? It's just a vertically challenged police officer. Yeah. So I don't know. Are you no, playing? Oh, you're playing as a robot. You're you're playing <laughs> ah, okay. as a robot, or you're like. It, like your body's a robot. I don't know exactly. I didn't play the first one. If it's like your it's your cybernetic. soul is sent the, the, into the, the, a robot. The way, yeah, I, I know how it works. Like with Espire One, uh, at least like you were taking control of a robot. So you were a secret agent that would like kind of like take control off one of those robots. But weren't you implanted? Wasn't it RoboCop t- style story where like you were cybernetic? Like, or was it just a remote? It's I thought it was remote. I might, I might have okay. been wrong then. Maybe, maybe you're right. Jose saying it's remote. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let you know for the next podcast because I definitely, I, I'm a big sucker for like stealth um, games. I'm a, I'm a big yeah. Metal Gear Solid fan, so I, I definitely want to get my hands on I, that. I just remember that you were able to like, you know, use your voice to like, you know, yeah. put your hands up, oh, your hands awesome. up. Yeah, really through the microphone. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. that. They, they, okay. they were like. It's real yeah. super oh, fun. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Who's Rota? No, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um, but next we have Broken Edge uh, by Pat, by Fast Travel Games and Bucket. Um, it's yep. a Steam VR uh, November seventeenth release. Um, it looks like it's going to be about ten dollars US, about nine dollar uh, nine pounds for international. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a one on one joust um, simulator. I'll uh, use these giant swords, so it's a lot of strategy and pretty much uh, you're breaking your. Uh, pretty much you have to make sure your sword doesn't break, or you defeat the person before your sword breaks. Um, so it's a it's a very intense, strategic one on one sword fighter. Um, and then we have the Veil VR release. Um, oh right, yeah, finally coming, finally mm-hmm. coming. So they're they're finally going to uh, let people uh, the main the main the mainstream of the world. Uh, <laughs> get their hands on it i don't have been kind of looking around to see if there's a price yet for yep. it i do know that they uh um i remember early in the year they were saying that if you asked for the game or try or wanted to try you would be given the game with the key and you would keep it so i don't know if that mm. still applies at the moment i know it was like during the summers um so i'm going to assume that they may be making a, an announcement of price soon but yeah that's looking okay. like it's going to be released on November 17th. Um, and that's okay. actually what I have wow. for the foreseeable next two weeks until the next podcast. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. Cool stuff. Very good. Glad to get us some some releases as things warm up towards the holiday season. Give us something to play that's not just collecting skins and after the fall. Um, <laughs> so that uh, that that's anyway your uh, show for today. So if any of you have questions for the crew, now's your chance while we zip over the finishing line and recount the showtimes for anyone who's new here. Uh, we live stream every other Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. Show goes live at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. in the UK, except when time change is messing with us, like today. <laughs> uh, if, if you missed the live show or just showed up late, you know, that's all right. We keep the nightlight on in the form of an audio version illuminating SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify in the week after our broadcast. Like and sub for more rounded thumbnails, and we'll see you again on the next podcast. All right? 
I guess we're gonna get out of here if chat doesn't have it. I was gonna say goodbye, but I just wanted to check if chat had anything before we uh, I, I saw, just saw Crash Organism saying, thanks for the show, loving it, and that's what we like to hear. Mm -hmm. We still got Nimzo hanging around. He's been with us a long oh, yeah. time. That's awesome. Ever since the Sonic days. All right, well, we can say goodbye then. All right, see everybody, and see you in two weeks.